0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Nation Podcast. Welcome to it. Eldo thinks he's being recorded on video now, cause he keeps doing this bit where he like tries to choke himself on whatever drink he's drinking. <laughs> I did. I drank that
1: red wine too fast. <clears throat> it's um, a little spicy.
0: Yeah, trying to get wine drunk on a Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> folks, we have a good show for you today for a lot of reasons, right? Like uh, uh, new coach, right? Eric Morris uh, hired as a, as the I don't know what number of coaches is it. It's like I don't even want to count. Is it plus 20? Is it 20 coaches? I'm going to say 17. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. Uh, but uh, the next head coach in North Texas history, the third coach that I remember, fourth coach, I, I saw Dickey, I saw Dodge, I saw, uh, um, uh, do we count interims? Dodge. I saw McCartney. Saw it Seth Latrill. Yeah. And then you can throw Mike Canales in there twice. That's five. So this is the sixth coach. But then, then Phil Bennett's in there, right? Yeah. So that's seven. Mm. Yeah. Like people on the sideline. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about that. We have an interview with the one, the only Hank Dickinson from too many things to count. I, I was looking over his curriculum vitae. Do you say, do you say your CV or do you say like my resume? Which one? are you passing well, it depends
1: on, on what i'm applying for oh yeah <laughs> if it's a work thing it's a resume if it if you need your educational background first it's your uh cv
0: yeah you can say it you have to say curriculum vitae i
1: have to say vitae curriculum vitae might
0: oh, be yeah. wrong i don't know <laughs> is that going to give me a limited like he said vitae get him out of here <laughs> get him out of here delete uh yeah um so uh when you were filling that out, you raise your pinky up. Is that what you do? You know, like, I got my, uh, you know, PhD and uh, whatever you call them. From this, go like that. And you raise, you raise up the third. pinky. Uh, so yeah, so we have a new coach. Uh, we're gonna talk to Hank a little bit later. It's a pre-recorded interview, right? He's not like here waiting around. So don't be like, man, they're really talking. I talked to him yesterday. I actually invited Aldo, but he was like, no, I'm getting uh, blackout drunk or something, or was it going to sleep? I forget which.
1: Uh, was <laughs> it <the> whiskey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and no, one I leads to, 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 to the suit. other <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah i mean so it, this happened last time right when seth latrell was let go i was out like at, at a soccer game playing rec league soccer right sunday night soccer so everybody's like where are you gonna post the news um and somebody texted me they're like i think he's gonna be fired like 30 minutes before everybody else is saying it so i could have been breaking news guy it could have been fun um and then, and then today, I was in a meeting, one of those like fourteen-hour-long meetings where somebody recapped what everybody said at least four times. You know, you're like, "Thanks, thanks, bud. We don't really need a recap again. Can, can we just go? They're like, just one last thing. One of those kinds of meetings. And you know, I looked, and they're like, you know, big news, but you know, everything's happening. Um, all that long day straight into this podcast. So I'm out here grinding for you, for you, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Well, not just that, but <coughs> we started off the day here locally with yeah. several tornadoes in the area, so it was a, it was a wild Eventful day, and then all day. of a sudden, new coach. Uh, by the way, the answer is, I believe, 19, if I counted correctly, not including uh, interim coaches.
0: I can do that, yeah. 19 coaches. All right, so this is the 19th coach.
1: I, I believe
0: mean. so, yeah. So um, I, I'll start out by saying, and then the other thing is the bowl game, right? So we're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to be done ramping here in like 30 seconds. Uh, ramping and vamping in about 30 seconds. Um, so it's a big week, right? Big big stuff's happening around North Texas Athletics, um, and, and we're going to talk about it. So let's start out with the biggest news. Eric Morris, um, if you're a longtime reader, maybe a listener of Nation MeanGreenNation.com, uh, you may have heard his, his name before. I've been a fan of the dude since he was at UIW, right? Ming Green Nation HQ used to be located in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, And I used to live like a mile or two away from UIW's campus, right? It's just like a little downtown campus, a little Catholic school. Um and, you know, yeah, you know, I knew he was there and then we were playing them. I was like, let me just go over there and interview this guy. And he was kinda like, uh but he's like the other team's coach. It was kind of a weirdness. They were not really used to media attention, you know, and I'm I'm being big time here by saying media. Hey, little old me, look at me, meet you. Yeah, I'm just to meet you. It's like in Wayne's World flash my badge around. But anyway, so, like, uh, the real reason I wanted to talk to him was just because I just wanted to, you know, it was right there, it was available. Nobody's giving him attention. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to interview the other team's coach. I find him interesting because he's from that Mike Leach tree. And let me just pause and say again, uh, you know, rest in peace, Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Of course, I'm gonna mess up the the little speech there. Um, I, you know, Mike Leach was and is, or you know, uh, a legend in the game uh, because he kind of did things his own way. That always appealed to me when I was a youngin. And a lot of football that I, you know, that was available was like, well, you run the ball three yards, cloud of dust, kind of thing. And I always kind of wondered, like, why don't they just throw the ball a little bit more? And so it was crazy to see this guy out here in West Texas that was like, yeah, we're just going to throw the ball. And at the time, you really, it's very dating myself and stuff. At the time, to see somebody throw the ball 40 times a game, that was not a, like a blowout and they're just trying to come back from down 50, was just ridiculous. You know, like Cliff Kingsbury putting up crazy numbers. It would be like 400 yards a game. He's averaging 400 yards a game. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Unfathomable. Um, and, uh, you know, like for a lot of reasons, Mike Leach was, uh, uh, a unique guy and he won. I think that's the other thing Be- behind, uh, besides all the other stuff about him, like the, the crazy stories, the pirate things, he won, he won a lot of games and, and people still didn't really believe in him. They're like, yeah, you can't maybe do it over here. But a lot of the small, these smaller kind of mid-level programs, your Washington States, your Texas Techs and your Mississippi States, they gave him a shot and he won a lot of games at those places.
1: Yeah, he won a lot of marquee games um, <clears throat> that are remembered historically. I mean, the biggest one probably is the uh, Graham Harrell versus the ranked number one Texas. Mm-hmm. The pass, the touchdown pass with uh, seconds winding down to Michael Crabtree, probably the most famous one.
0: I think oh, was I was still in sc- I was still I was still in school then. Yeah, and I think I also worked that weekend or something. I came home and I like fell asleep. I was gonna watch the game and I fell asleep because it was like number one versus number three or something like that or number two, and I fell asleep and I woke up and I was rooting for Texas in that game but I also like Texas Tech again Mike Leach fan and so I was not disappointed it was just kind of crazy to watch that ending, um, and then you know he got you know I think he got a bad uh, hand at Texas Tech and he wrote about it in his book I read the book Swing Your Sword, and uh, I, and then you know he he went and kind of did his own thing in like Key West. Then he got back into coaching. They gave him another shot, sort of. Yeah, you know, Washington State took a shot. They won a lot of games with him. Uh, set a lot of records. Set a lot of passing records. Uh, um, records,
1: yeah. <clears throat> and and uh, you know, apart from from his personality being a unique person, he also influenced football from pee wee level, flag yeah. football level, all the way up to the NFL. So a lot of his innovations and his concepts are being used all over the place.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, so you know, like. Air Raid, everybody does Air Raid type stuff. Everybody goes four wide, seven on seven, routes on air. You know, a lot of the stuff that the Air Raid team, then that was hell Mommy too. Uh, but Mike Leach had a lot of success at Texas Tech. I think a lot of people can trace the origin of that stuff from him. Patrick Mahomes played at Texas Tech, right? But Texas Tech wouldn't have been Texas Tech if it were not for Mike Leach and then turning that into like a very offense-heavy kind of place. Because I think before Mike Leach, it was like uh, the dude that that played linebacker. There and went like under drafted and end up at Miami. I can't think of his name right now. Number fifty five, little short guy, kind of stock linebacker type. Uh, somebody email me. You'll know. I'm not gonna Google it. But you know, so like Texas Tech was not really known for that kind of offense. Now they are right. This wide open uh, air raid thing is is pretty much associated with Texas Tech. And uh, you know, like Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Dana Holgerson. Dana. Yeah, I mean, all these people. I'm, I'm leading up to that. You're giving it away. All the way to, yeah, to Eric Morris. He, he was the offensive coordinator there. He recruited Patrick Mahomes, um, and he coached him up. And then he, he left there, and then he went down to, to UIW, right, University of Incarnate Word. And that's why I was like, hey, he, he kind of took – it's a it's a name guy, at least for me. I follow a lot of the Air Raid guys. And I was watching that, and he went down to, U, uh, to UIW. They were 1-10 in 10 the season before he got there. They were, like, starting up the program. They were nothing. There's a lot of nothing. Like, the office is the trailer. It was not very fancy at all. And he built that program up. They won the conference twice, to, you know, in, in, in that short time span. Recruited the guy, Cam Ward, who set a lot of, you know, passing records. They barely lost in the playoffs, in the SES playoffs. I think it was, like, last, uh, last score of the game. I forget exactly the details. He leaves there. He goes to um, Washington State, and I think people that are just kind of b- quickly in his record are like, "Well, he didn't really do much at Washington State." Yeah, yeah, seventy ninth ranked offense. We were ranked better, but I think that you forget people who are saying that thing that um, you know building an offense, building a you know a team, building a program that kind of stuff. It takes time. That Seth Littrell didn't start out with the number one ranked offense, right? You know, we were like sixth or whatever it was for a while under Mike Bledsoe uh and slash Seth the trail. It was a slow build, right? You had to establish some things. You have to get linemen into the program. Um, you know, there was a like Graham Harrell was a big part of that, another Texas Tech, Mike Leach guy. Um building, I remember when they recruited like Manassey Mosa and, and some of these guys that are that lead the program right now, right? Lead the offense right now. Uh, they were talking big things about them that they're going to be good. We're excited to get them in. It's for the future. Linemen take a long time to, to kind of develop and, and grow. And so I think that when you're judging an Eric Morris, you can't just look at Washington State University and say, what do they do immediately? Is that, you know, is that a fair and accurate kind of thing? You got to look to me that UIW time is the part for me that really stands out and says, this guy can build a program. And yes, it's an SES program, but, you know, sure. It's tougher, I think, in a lot of ways. There,
1: yeah, it's tougher in <clears throat> the the struggles are, are pretty similar. You know, lack of funds, um, lack of excitement to go. You know, nobody's going to say, "I want to go play at an FCS." I want to go play at an Incarnate Word. You know, people say, "I want to go play at Bama." I want to go play at Georgia. Um, for one reason or another, they end up not being able to make it to to um, a, a FBS school, so they got to go to. Uh, FCS Division Two, JUCO, whatever it is, and Eric Morris was able to to get those guys that fit his program into Incarnate Word. So yeah, that definitely shows that he can put together something successful in in a short amount of time. And and the cool thing is that he doesn't have to build a program now. You know, he's got to. Although we are losing some linemen, he he he's got to be able to to keep as much as he can together. Uh, staff roster, whatever, um, and then keep the momentum going. You know, we've got, uh, we were in a conference championship game. We've got, we've always had, not always. We've got had a lot of offense with Latrell. Right, the 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 big, the big gripe is that we couldn't do much with the offense, even though we're putting up big numbers. Um, so if he's able to take it one step further. Um, you know, that's I think that's what we're excited about. That's what we're optimistic about.
0: Yeah, so like you can read but I saw some people on the Goming Green board, like reading and analyzing the press release, right? They're like after extensive search, deeply qualified candidates, we saw we liked that Morris had ties to Texas, right? You know, uh he told me, uh when I interviewed him, you know, just bragging again I guess. Um that he was like, Yeah, like one reason I was excited to go but down to San Antonio was I recruited this area for Texas Tech. And I saw that there's a lot of talent over here, right? There's a lot of talent down here. And, and you know, like UTSA is obviously building their program. Um, and then, you know, so it, lots of stuff, lots of, you know, ground to be gleaned around here. He's, you know, from like, oh, I was at West Texas, right? Um, and he has, he's been here a long time. Uh, he has ties. He's recruited it for Texas Tech. He's recruited it for UIW. I don't think that it's going to be a problem for him connecting to Texas high school coaches. And then the other part is like, yeah, he can build out a staff. I know a lot of people wanted a high school coach, right? Former high school coach in Texas, and I think it's sort of hit or miss. It's not a bad thing, but uh, I, again, we put Morris over the top. Is like, yeah, he built a program, but as you said, he won, right? He won two conference championships in you know the Southland, which you know you're like, oh, is that impressive? Yeah, I think it is, right? Th- those are the most reasonable approximation of your peers, literally your your league, right? And you, you beat your league. That's what we're asking in, in in at North Texas, that whatever you say about Conference USA, is it good, is it bad, can you win, whatever, we didn't win it, right? North Texas did not win. They, you know, 0-2 in championship games and 0-7 uh, in winning the league. You can say, well, they finished second place once and they won a division title. Okay, you yeah, know, but you don't, you don't, <laughs> that's number two. Second place twice. <laughs> we're number two. Um. So, yeah. So, like, yeah. That that's what it's about. And you know, I, the other thing is, I know like Morris, he's friends with Seth Luttrell. He said he called him up and he picked his brain about building the program and stuff. Um. Yeah, I don't think Seth Luttrell was a bad coach. He did a lot of good for North Texas. I can say this is the kind of next level kind of hire, right? They're not overreacting. I like that they hired an offensive coach because I it, I think it keeps an identity here right, that you're like, yeah, North Texas, they got a lot of offense, put up a lot of yards, hire another coach, keep that going. And so then you can keep doing what you're already doing, right? You have a legacy, uh, you know, that you can be proud of. Mason Fine, even Austin Ani, right, a, a passing record. Uh, Jalen Darden, Jalen Guyton, um, uh, Rico Bussey. Um, you know, you, you keep going that, doing that, and then you got, you know, Varquez Gums balling out of control right now, you know what I mean? Uh, Jair Shorter, doing big things, you continue that. Eric Morris is a receiver, right? You think you can't help Jay Shorter a little bit, you know? You think you can't help Damon Ward, some of these other guys there, continue to do what they're doing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think Roderick Burns would see a lot of help there, too. Um, but I think I'm getting too into the weeds there, because um, Eric Morris got his coaching start as an inside receivers coach for Mike Leach. Yeah, at I think in Washington State, right?
0: Washington State. Yeah, I mean, so that's the same thing that I think uh Graham Harrell did too, right? Coaching inside receivers. Uh I think we still do we still We had Tommy Maynard on the staff and he was a Texas Tech guy. He had connections yeah, He
1: was there. co-offensive coordinator at one point.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so like I don't know, you know, I think I think what him say? it's not really air raid. I think it's a funny thing that happened, right? People wanted to get away from saying air raid because air raid had a connotation of lots of yards, not a lot of defense. And um, you know, that's well-earned. And some of that is not, is it's punching above your weight. You know what I mean? That this offense is good. These players are really good. And some of it's a system thing is a coaching. So you're scoring a lot, but maybe you really are like a 500 team, but you're scoring so much, you get eight, nine wins and you punch a little bit above your weight. You say so, same thing about like Seth Luttrell, you know, whatever it's, everybody's talking about the big 12, that kind of stuff. Sometimes the offenses are just very good, you know, and no matter how good of a defense you had, it was just lots of really good offenses.
1: Right. I mean, not to sound like John Madden, but <laughs> if you score more than the other team, that makes you better than them. So... It,
0: yeah, you, you don't measure... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it will still be the question, right? Can you find enough of defense to win? Yeah, but I would also point to that in Conference USA, right? Western Kentucky had two of the best offenses that we'd seen in the league in 14 and 15. Their defense was good enough. They got stops. They had talent, but they're known for their offense, right? Mike White, guy in the NFL now. Uh, FAU was exploding, you know, offensively. They had good defense. It was opportunistic, got turnovers and stuff, but it was mostly their offense. Um, UTSA had the best offense in the league last year, right? They had, like, the second or third best offense in the league the year before that. Uh, Western Kentucky had the best offense in the league the year they went to the championship game against UTSA. Uh, they had the third best offense in the league. And I think the second best pass offense against, uh, in, in this season. So offense wins games, you know, like it, y- if you start falling behind in that area, then you end up like a Justin Fuente, right? At, at Virginia tech where you're like, ah, uh, they're not scoring. You know, you got to score to win guys. Um, and so, yeah, it's still the same question, and I don't think that's a bad thing, because we said this right. Like staying with Seth and was not necessarily a bad thing. I think the problem was it's sort of like the the culture. You just kind of need to change the scenery. Everybody did. Everybody's kind of tired of listening to him say the same thing. He's probably tired of saying the same thing. He's tired of talking to Brett Vito. Brett Vito started to ta- ask him the same question. Everybody just kind of like, all right, you know, let's just take a new. We just need something new. And that's fine.
1: The way he would say Brett was so... <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know, Brett. <laughs> Brett. <laughs> so sardonic, just Brett.
0: And so, uh, yeah, again, like, if we stayed another year with Seth Shell it would have been fine, but I don't think we would have appreciated some of the same stuff. Some of it is just about changing the face, right? That if North Texas went 8-5 and five next year and was the sixth best offense in the country and lost some close games. We'd be disappointed in the same way, but we'd be more excited because it's a new guy, a new regime, right? And that is a lot because people, more people are going to buy season tickets. There's going to be more enthusiasm. Sometimes it's just different. You know, like, you, sometimes you're just struggling to do something. You're like, you know what? I'm going to move the living room around. This sofa is not going to go over here. It's the same sofa, but now it's well, just over there.
1: And you want to, when you hire a new head coach, you want to upgrade, right? And the amount of upgrading we did going from like Todd Dodge to Dan McCartney was a gigantic leap Yeah. going from Dan McCartney to Seth Luttrell was then a big leap. And then going from Luttrell to Eric Morris was uh, a pretty good leap. Right. So at, at each step we're getting better. Um, but the amount we can improve uh, uh, gets reduced and, and we're talking, we're going from, Two wins, one win a, a season to six, seven wins a season to eight, nine wins a season in conference titles. Then, then that is a positive step step towards building a a good inst- a good program. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think yeah, like it's not a big leap, I don't think, from Latrell to Morris, but I think you say, yeah, um, Seth Latrell had zero championships, right, outside of the one that he won as a player, right? He won a national championship as a player, as a fullback at Oklahoma. I don't know, like, he he coached at Indiana. I don't remember Indiana winning. I they might have won a bowl Those game two. or two. He won in North Carolina. They won, like, the Coastal Division. They finished second place in the conference championship game. Uh, and then he went, you know, he came to North Texas. He, he was like the, I think he was like a running backs coach at Texas Tech. They didn't win anything there. And that's not like a knock-on against him, but I think that's that's a thing that, that's, you know, there, right? It's, it's the case. He's a head coach. He didn't win a championship. Um, and, you know, I mentioned about Mike Leach. I think the knock on him was that for all the things he did, he didn't really win a championship. That there was always somebody else. There was like some practical game planning aspect of it that was kind of missing there. And um, you know he was always that like he followed up that big win, Mike Leach again. What my I love, I think he's the things great big fan. They followed up that big win against Texas with a blowout loss to Oklahoma. That his old boss, Bob Stoops. And, uh, you know, so Morris stands out. He's won, right? He won a conference championship FCS. And if you're like, well, that doesn't count. Well, I mean, it's football. I mean, you wanted to hire a high school coach, guys. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Um, it, it, It's it's good enough for me. And I think that's a good spot to start with. Somebody's won somewhere, did some things, knows what it takes, right? You play a big well, game, you win it.
1: Proven to lead a program, yeah. right? We When we hired Latrell, <clears throat> he was the first time I had a coach offensive coordinator, offensive mind, learning on the job basically. Yeah. Um Dan McCarney was the head coach at, at some point. Anyway, the well, point is we're, we're we're going to we're we're going to see a guy that that knows how to run a program uh just at a bigger scale, I guess, going into the AAC.
0: Yeah, and so it's a it's a good challenge for him. It's it's good for North Texas in a lot of ways. I think people are excited about it. There were rumors that it was like Kenny Perry was going to get the job. And, like, the immediate reaction was like, uh, <laughs> everyone's like, eh, I don't know about that. But there's Morris hired a lot of people, were like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I like him. I think he did good. So I think that excitement is good enough. I think there's one, like, theater kid that's like, no, nah, nah, I hate everything. Um, but um, everybody else, go ahead.
1: When, when, Latrell was faltering back in, what was it? 2018, 2019, right, right before Eric Morris got hired at Washington state. I think we were kind of wanting to make that move then again. And also talking about Eric Morris.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's a good point. Uh, just bringing it back. I was going to make that point. I forgot it. Um, so around one reason, you know, like uh, I was interviewing him and kind of talking to him. like, we, there was that discussion because Seth, the almost left for Kansas state, right. He almost left for Mississippi state also. Um, he was he was on the hot you know like uh you know next coaches up list, and you know he he uh we were like, well, who's gonna be the next guy, and everybody had their little list, I think Jeff trailer might have been on somebody's list, you know, like this guy might be good, um and so I was like, you know, I like that guy, Morris, it's kind of keeping it going, it's the air raid guy, he's doing good stuff, so I had been you know just keeping an eye on his career there, just you know because of that. Um, and you know, he went to Washington state and, and, uh, the other thing about Washington state, right. Is that I think the coach is like Dickert now, they had that other guy, I think it was like Nick Rolovich or something like that, who got fired because he was very anti-vax, but he was doing like run and shoot type things there. I don't know. It just, it was kind of weird. And so then this was like, a, uh, Hey, let's just kind of fix it up. But you know, it was, it was sort of a re, a restart at Washington university, Washington state university. Um, okay, so yeah, you can be excited about Eric Morris. I think it's good. he's in Denton or he was on a plane. I think the last I saw him and his family are all lo- getting ready to load up on a plane um flying into tornado fields to Dallas fort Worth <laughs> um and it's also jared uh Jared Morse is like first hire, you know i think I think we all know' it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot a lot of semesters here, you know he was like. <laughs> Smasher. He said we did the thing, but you know, I'm sure Morris. Uh, you know, he had a he had a hand in it because he was the assistant. And then he becomes the, the the main guy. I don't know. I mean, you know what? If if we want to take credit, we can say you know what? Me and Green Nation was talking about Eric Morris, and I'm sure, I'm absolutely positive that Ren Baker was like, right? Eric Morris, Adam and Aldo are talking about him. Let's write this down. And then he when he left, first. he left it on the table, just kind of angled it just a little bit for when Jared took <laughs> the big job. Jared's like, oh, oh man, I don't know. Who am I going to wait? What's this to be opened in case of firing the head coach. And you're like, what? Okay. I'll call him up. Um, so as far as the rumor mill thing goes, uh, I think he was on the list just kind of of people, people were naming And there's a lot of people that it, people named, um, but a lot of names that came up were like it was like Kenny Perry, Rashad Samples, uh, Justin Fuente, a lot of those kinds of names, are You know, it was the same ones over and over. And Football Scoop was like, it's gonna be Kenny Perry. They're zeroing in on him. Did that little watch bomb kind of tweet, like you know, the Spurs are are <laughs> heavily interested in the number, th- you know, Aldo at the number three pick or whatever. You know, it was like that. They're zeroing in on Kenny Perry. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no no, never mind. It's gonna go back to tech, Texas. Tech. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Kenny Perry was like, he just stopped off. He was like, "Uh, which way to Lubbock? Because I got turned around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this guy's going to get out. Oh, oh, no. No, no. He just, okay. He was just asking for directions. Um, And so, yeah, I I don't know what they they kept it under wraps, which is very common nowadays. Um, You know, because they use search firms and maybe some burner phones. (laughs) You know what
1: I mean? I mean,. I I don't know how long Eric Morris has been in the mix because um, he was one of the finalists at Texas State. What five days ago?
0: Yeah, yeah. So he was. This this is where this is pure speculation. Let me bracket this as speculation. I could see him and his like agent because it was it was pretty well known that Seth Roll was like on a hot seat, right? And I'm sure, you know, even people are just like, yeah, man, they're talking about firing me over here. You might have said something like that. Maybe you should apply. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not that. But it was probably just in there, right? Like, hey, you know, if you're being a good agent, then you're like, uh, hey, you know, I just saw that maybe you're considering a change in leadership. That's how you say firing, you consider considering firing your coach. Uh, maybe going in a different direction at the football coach position uh you know I just want you to bring your attention to my my client uh Eric Morris, you know they call him the elf uh and whatever you know what I mean like there's there's <laughs> a lot of ways that this stuff happens but i'm i'm I don't think your your agent's uh uh he's not earning his money if he's not doing out there doing something like that you know what I mean <laughs> um did that happen? I don't know he was a candidate at Texas state there were rumors that he was gonna be the 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 guy. But then his successor at UIW got the guy the gig, right? And he was rumored to go to Tulsa because he used to be a Tulsa guy. And then Tulsa ended up hiring—I um, even forget now—I forgot the whole rotation. Who did Tulsa hire?
1: Yeah, that was a lot of names going around. <coughs> <coughs> it was a—it's ca- that carousel. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, it, it's so that—that was the rotation, I guess. It's uh, Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is uh, that Seth Israel's old boss, right? At Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then he was a former Oklahoma guy uh, who was under, uh, what's his face? No, I can't think of Who ended up at Kansas, did big things at Kansas, but who succeeded Mike Leach at Oklahoma's offensive coordinator? I I Mangino. Mangino. Yeah. Um, all right, so, I knew that. yeah, back, back to what we're saying. Uh, everybody knows everybody, right? So th- that's the kind of thing. Joel Filani, former North Texas wide receiver coach. I think he was the inside receiver coach here, or outside receiver coach here. Uh coach at uh wa- Washington State right now with Eric Morris. I don't think they were contemporaries. Were they contemporaries? They both play receiver together? They might have. I'm not sure. Eric Morris was like a receiver from like to 2008. I think Joel Filani was there. He was there at least in 2008. So, they might have been uh teammates. But I'm sure he could text them and be like, "Hey, Joel Filani. Uh, I don't know what he calls him on his text. Um, <laughs> maybe it's maybe he uses the whole name." Jay <laughs> Phil. That's how I text Aldo. Hey, Aldo Avinia. <laughs> Are you ready to do a podcast? Just one word. <laughs> All words <laughs> like that. Um, you know, uh, what's it like? You know, tell me about North Texas. Is it good? Is it bad? What's it like working there? What's Denton like? All that good stuff, right? I don't think a head coach job. Is one that you would just turn down, but I think you know you, you want to walk into it with your eyes wide open. So between Filani, uh, his relationship with Seth Luttrell, his relationship with just coaches in general, he knows Graham Harrell. He probably texts him up. You know, lots of people know about North Texas, and I think it says a lot about the program what's being built is that there's a good reputation around it. You know, I think um, I, I think it's yeah,
1: good. and we're if we're cr- and it, it, it's great if we're creating this pipeline where we've got these. Offensive minded coaches. And, you know, they, they don't have to all be from Texas Tech or Oklahoma. <laughs> they don't all have to revolve around Graham Harrell, but but it's nice that it, that it is.
0: Well, I'll say this that uh, at least they're doing something, right? Texas Tech, they got the offense, right? You know, they got producing a Hall of Famer, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Oklahoma put a, you know, like Kyler Murray, you know, he did stuff. Baker Mayfield won a Heisman. Y- y- were you going to hire somebody from Texas? What have they done? You know? What What's going on over there, Texas? <laughs> Hold on, let me think. Yeah, you people wanted Tom Herman, who's out there at FAU. You know? So, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He, he put a, if you, if your urine is not this color sign, I think that's what sticks out the most about Tom <laughs> Herman to me. Um, All right, so Eric Morris is the coach. What does that mean for this weekend? Doesn't mean too much. He's not going to coach it. Phil Bennett's going to coach it. What does it mean for the current staff? Well, Mike Blesch is gone. He's going to be at Cal. Uh, and he's done a lot of good things. Um, you know, he's going to coach the offensive line over there. Uh, I imagine that Eric Morris is going to want to run his own offense or at least be heavily involved in it. It's going to look like the way, you know, the stuff he does. I liked a lot of what he did at UIW, but I also liked what he said to me. I get a pat on the back for myself. Uh, like I don't have magic plays. I'm, there's no magic football plays. Like we're gonna do what we do, and we're gonna rep it, and we're gonna get good at it, so we can do it against whoever. That's what how what we're gonna do. We're gonna execute. Um, there's no like oh, I'm gonna call this secret play It only scores touchdowns. Right? It's not gonna it's not gonna be it. And um, well, I mean, how, how do
1: you feel about him calling his own plays? Because I I I don't want him to be a first time FBS head coach and they also calling plays. Mess. <laughs> like, let Seth Littell. You know, it's a yeah. it's a lot of work, and yeah. um, I think I think he should hire a dedicated offense, offensive offensive coordinator and let him run the show.
0: I think if you do it right, you can do it right. Like, um, I think Lane Kiffin, he's a good offensive coordinator. He's big in the game planning, but he would let the next guy call plays. And we asked him right at the at the uh, media days, Lane Kiffin, like, well, what makes a good play caller? he's like, you know, you you kind of get a feel for it. Like, you kind of feel it out. Like, it's not, you know, some people just know the right plays. They just kind of stay in the moment. So it has to be somebody's trust, right? Because he knows he can call plays, right? He's like, I know what I can do. I believe in what I can do. So, I, you know, it, it's kind of hard to delegate that off right off the bat when that's what you're hired for. And so some of that is, you know, that's part of what makes him, you know, the deal, right? It's like uh, you hire a guy to, to be you know, because of his of his reputation as a painter. And you're like, all right, cool. Come on, painter. You're going to paint. He's like, well, appreciate the job, but now I'm going to get, you know, my understudy here. You're like, I don't care about this guy. Who's this guy, right? You know, you're, you're the painter, dude. Do the painting. So, I don't know. I, I think that I wouldn't off the bat think that it's bad. But I would also be wary of it, right?
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, I think it depends on the coach. Like, Lane Kiffin is in a different tier than... A <laughs> Like Seth Littrell, right? <laughs> uh, than all of the other conference USA coaches that that we saw, um, and it's just the truth. Uh, but then when you got, I couldn't I couldn't name you any offensive coordinator f- that was under Lane Kiffin o- other than Charlie Weis' son because it was Charlie
0: Weis' son. Uh, it was Kendall Bryles. Uh Kendall <laughs> Bryles, yeah, <laughs> for
1: one year. But but you knew <laughs> that he was just he was there helping helping Kendall out to get his foot back in the door. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I mean he, he did pick his because I think a lot of people like what Kendall has done. And Briles is talented and he's kinda went on to do some things. I think there are rumors that he might have got his uh a head gig here and there. Um yeah, b- before we move on to that, I, I know what you're saying. Um, but I just wanna point out I think it wouldn't be bad to be Arkansas State there. For a while they were just hitting home runs, right? It was like uh, uh Bobby Petrito, um uh, is uh, it Brian Harson? Um I forget the other dude. It was like three in a row. They won three, four straight Sunbelt titles with three or four straight different coaches, you know? And I don't think that's a bad situation to be in. Um, you know, like obviously it's not ideal, but hey, you're winning, right? You know what I mean? Like just the next next coach up, whoever's gonna come in, company, you gotta you have to win. Uh, now they have what, Butch Jones or something like that and they're not winning so much, but you you know, you get my point. Is that I don't think that's a bad thing, right? If uh, uh we become North Texas becomes a place where you can get a better job, you know, more power to you as long as you're winning here. Right. Because I want to enjoy conference championships and in bowl victories and record settings and big crowds and lots of fun. So, you know, as long as you're given that, then, yeah, sure. Stepping stone. It's fine.
1: Yeah, I'm OK with it, too. And I, and I felt that way back when we hired Seth Luttrell as well.
0: I saw an interesting thing that somebody said. I think it was on the board. I forget who it was, but just go read com. I guess. Uh, they were like, hey, this might be our Grant McAslan, right? Like, this is that kind of hire. He's, like, youngish. Um, you know, I think he's like 37. I was like, 37? They're not... <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, he's, like, 37. So, he's, like, young. He can build. You know, you, you go 10 years, he's still a young coach, you know? Uh, like, 47. You know, some guys don't get head coaching gigs until they're, like, 60. I think was it the... Was it the Sam Houston coach? Sam Houston state coach? He's like in his 60s or about to be 60 or something like that. Is that Keeler or something? I forget. I have no idea
1: how old he is.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, like the job in this situation is one in which you could possibly grow. Right? You can spend some time here. They gave Trailer a 10-year contract, and I think that's really about a five-year contract. I don't think it's going to really be there 10 years. Um. But, you know, like you can kind of lay down some roots. He has young kids. You know, you kind of just want to see him grow up. It's set up, ideally, where he could be here for a while. Like, even if he's here for the same amount of time that Seth Luttrell is here, seven years, that's a long time. Uh, in, in modern college football, right? Yeah, Seth Luttrell was the, the longest tenured Texas head coach in college football there for a while. Um, you know, if North Texas does the same thing with uh, Eric Morris, I don't think it would be a bad thing, right? There you go. There's there's a little bit on the future. I think he was doing a little job hopping, but, I, you know, I, he played his cards right. Uh, he went from uh, offensive coordinator at Texas Tech to the head coach in North Texas uh, in like four years. You know, not bad.
1: That's a pretty good run.
0: Yeah, and then, but with head coaching experience, which I think helped him get over the top, right? Um, you know, I think best case scenario, he might have done a Garrett Riley type thing. Worst-case scenario, he was, you know, I don't know, looking at trying to reignite his star, you know, because uh, Graham Harrell had a big... His star was rising there for a little bit. He went from North Texas. Everybody wanted to hire him. Mac Brown tried to hire him. He goes to USC, and then he goes to West Virginia, you know, and his name wasn't on a whole lot of lists. There you go. Yeah, which
1: is which is a, b- a bummer. Um, <clears throat> but you're hoping, like, guys like that would reappear somewhere and maybe maybe Graham Harrell won't be a, um, a head coach for Auburn but he might be a head coach for a
0: Texas State
1: Coastal <laughs> Carolina what uh, it, some, some, some would like it be Boise State something yeah, like that yeah uh,
0: w- would it be weird if Eric Morris hires Graham Har- Harrell to be his uh, offensive coordinator would you be weirded out by that yep
1: that would be weird because uh <laughs> it'd be a step it'd be a pay cut,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're i don't know what the this the coach's salary is like what the the pool is for his hiring people but uh that that's gonna be an interesting thing like north texas the the head coaching position it was at one point nine for seth um in in his last year that's like middle of the pack, maybe lower of the pack in the a a c it was the highest in the in the conference u s a like to you know, it was one of the highest. And then now it's, you know, sort of middle of the pack, I think it is, in the AAC. So it's competitive, but it's not, you know, game-breaking money, right? Uh, um, you know, so the same thing for coaches. Uh, it's going to be your up-and-comers or people that are on the down of the career but just looking for something, like a situation that they, they just enjoy, right? They're not trying to out there grind it out and just, you know, you know, like a Phil Bennett type deal. Um,
1: right,
0: sorry, just took a, a a break for a second as I was gathering my thoughts uh, bowl game, let's talk about the bowl game. Are you excited about this boys' state game that you're gonna cover?
1: I'm gonna start drinking my
0: wine <laughs> um, I take that as a, uh, so. I'm
1: yes because it's a football game i I'm excited to go watch football in December. Yeah
0: yeah i I like that too i think it it the the hiring of a head coach that people are excited about colors the game a little bit brighter you know whereas yeah yeah, yeah. good i th- I think everybody was like, please let's not not have a head coach by the bowl game, you know? Yeah,
1: definitely. I didn't want to walk in there and be like, well, and have the broadcasters be talking about, well, who, I wonder who the next head coach is going to be. Texas yeah. State hired this person, and this other school hired this person. It's just North Texas is the only one that hasn't hired anyone.
0: <laughs> they actually have an ad in the Denton Record Chronicle, like uh, <laughs> head coach. <laughs> Tryouts are <de-setter>. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think it's good, and it's also like an advertisement, right? I, I bet the eric morris is going to go try to get in the booth like either he's going to do it or they're going to try to get him over there or something like that if you're the broadcast team you're going to say let's get eric morris up here we'll talk to him in the booth for a little bit uh if you're you know if they don't do it then i think hank and dave will you know mean green uh a play by play team
1: for sure yeah maybe i'll have brett wake me up whenever he walks in <laughs> <laughs> um, the game starts at
0: 8:15 <laughs> You're such an old man, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh Gosh, dude, four thirty is my supper time. That's pajama time. Eight fifteen. I don't know, man. Like I'm just getting started. It's nine o'clock. It's time to it's time to begin your day. Nine p.m. You know. <laughs> um, well, what was I gonna say? So <laughs> wake you up. He derailed you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as the on the field stuff, right? I think it's notable that not a whole lot of North Texas players. Are in the portal, right? Some of that is like you know, uh, guys are just they're just gonna graduate. We already know what's gonna happen with Osadani. He's gonna give it one last hurrah, and then he's gonna go to the NFL draft. So he's gonna use this as like a you know, showcase his arm. Yeah, you know? he's like, all right, guys, I don't care what they called one. He's not gonna be the coordinator anymore. Two, I'm trying to go to the NFL. So we're, it's it's all deep outs right here. I want to show off the arm. <laughs>
1: I know he said inside zone, but it's gonna be all go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's in end zone, guys. We're calling it end zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our, our end zone. I mean, I mean, <laughs> damn it, no, uh, no, it zone. happened again. <laughs> Not again. i keep doing that. Uh, yeah. So we know. We know yeah, again. I still think same thing. We said this uh, last in uh, the weekend, right? Like, let's just open it up, man. You know, like let's get the trick plays. Let's dig down deep into playbook and let's have some fun. Put on a show. Let's make some entertainment happen, right? Yeah, um, I
1: because mean, you got nothing to lose. You don't have a head coach <laughs> on the sideline.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, the all the coaches are like I wanna see who's playing hard out there. I'm gonna be looking at you. Yeah, yeah. But if you know, if the if Jared Shorters that didn't play that well, you're gonna be like, All right, that that sucked. So I'm gonna need you to be better next season when you're the number one receiver, okay? You know what I mean? That's that's what happens. Uh, If you're good, you get a little bit more slack than than if you're not good, right? Um, But, yeah, so that's the case. I think it's good. And uh, a little preview of the interview we're going to do a little bit later. Uh, You know, Hank and I talked a little bit about the the bowl game and Boise State and that kind of stuff. We also talked about broadcasting. Uh, Definitely want to listen to that. So don't – there's a chapter marker in case you're like, when's it coming up? You don't have to – I don't have to tease it like that because you just go right to the interview if you want. That's coming up.
1: But first we're going to talk about knitting – (laughs)
0: <laughs> so all right, right. The way to knit, right? You know, yeah. I take the old school approach, like my grandma used to do. Um, all right, so the bowl game. Uh, I'm I'm renewed about. It. I'm excited to, uh, again about it. That stupid A- AXS thing. I'm not super super into that. But the uh, the like the app or whatever. Um, I think another thing about about like digital tickets. So it's very convenient, right? Your phone, bloop. You just scan. You go in, but you don't have any keepsakes.
1: Yeah, I think um that that's a big difference, especially if you're a person that grew up in an era where you wanted to keep a clean ticket. I know I had I like to keep some movie tickets, um, especially for like those big openers like Iron Man and stuff like that. I like to keep in those. Um or or like the first time I took my daughter to the zoo she was uh I don't know, eight weeks old. She didn't remember it, but <laughs> I I kept that yeah. stub. Stuff like yeah. that.
0: I have a few of those things. Like definitely that. For a while there we had all the movie tubs that we had from like college and so we're like when do we go and we'd have like a it's like a a tub so sort of decorative but i'm like oh what's in this "Ah, it's just movie tickets (laughs) they're like what is it what but i'm like okay we would play a game like when did we see iron man you know i'm like ah, so we'd play that game a little whoever got closest to win they would have to uh didn't have to take out the trash or something like that that's how we played that (laughs) like oh iron man it was a thursday you know (laughs) like whatever so that's how we play um yeah, so you can't really do that when you have just the digital tickets. Or, like, the big games. Those are cool, right? Like, holding that up. I remember, you know, like, looking at my dad's old Texas Stadium ticket going to the Cowboys game. Like, Cowboys versus Redskins, you know, on a Sunday, you know, 1976 or something like that. All that's cool. And I, I think those things are lost, and they're kind of cool. You're not going to get those back. And I don't know that there's a way to replace that. Um, because it does make a lot more sense to just give everybody a digital ticket, a digital program, you know, and not waste paper and, I guess, print out a bunch of stuff.
1: Even though you get charged like a $1.99 or $4.99 for
0: <laughs> ticketing fees. Yeah, well, they got to recycle that ticket, that digital ticket, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Ridiculous>. <laughs> yeah, they're always looking for a way to make money. All right, uh, do we have everything? I said uh, Eric Morris, talking about him uh we said the bowl game we talked about that en- enough hey. so this is the bowl preview podcast it's supposed to be at least did you do any prep work on boise state
1: uh i mean i just watched them a little bit looked at looked at their stats and Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. i mean the, the thing that that if we're if the team is taking this game seriously if we can shut down their run game make them pass i think we've got a shot at keeping it close
0: yeah, they're second in the Mountain West in scoring per game, twenty nine a game. Uh, they are what is it in rushing offense, third in the league, but what was their per carry average? Yeah, third in the league. That's what they had. Um, I mean, you know, like they, I really hadn't watched a lot of Boise State. They lost to Oregon. Can go game by game. Lost to number seventeen Oregon. Uh, you know, like they they got doubled up seventeen thirty four. They beat New Mexico at New Mexico. Uh, beat Tennessee Martin. Okay. They lost to UTEP, which I think if you're a Conference USA fan, you're like, oh, look at UTEP stepping up. Interesting. But that's a little bit like, uh, you know, just kind of sipping up. Like, you know, nobody was happy about whatever. Then uh, they beat San Diego State, which is a good program, at least in my mind. Fresno State blew them out. At Air Force snuck a win. Colorado State is terrible. They blew them out. BYU lost by three. At uh, was at home. At home, yeah. Went to Nevada, got a blowout. Went to or uh, home. Uh, went to Wyoming, one by three. Utah State went at home, blowing them out, and then finally Fresno State again in the in the championship game. They championship lost. Game, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, I I don't know too much about the Mountain West this season. This is not the Boise State that went to like the Fiesta Bowl and beat Oklahoma way back when. Yeah, this but is a different one.
1: They're not world beaters. They're not completely dominating we're not going to be smothered by them um they do have a, a really good defensive line uh compared to uh, well compared to our offensive line that's going to be uh, something to watch um the the line is is what w- negative or 10.5 something like that
0: yeah we're about ten point dogs which has been the line all season for north texas yeah. we're 10 point dogs to western kentucky and one Ten point dogs to UTSA the first time and barely lost, uh, and then ten point dogs the second time and got blown out. So and and then same thing to, to UAB I think. Um, you know this this kid I was looking at their roster, Hank Bachmeyer, uh, that rings a bell. I remember when he was like a freshman. He just never really took off that that kid right. He's like he's kind of been I guess hurt or something, but he's a senior now. Uh, but it looks like freshman Taylon Green is getting all the snaps. Uh, he's thrown two hundred and fifty times and for nineteen hundred yards. It's a run-oriented team. That's yeah. That, it's, that's it's what
1: Boyce passing game isn't great. Uh, I think the quarterback runs really well. Last of, last I remember, which we've seen how bad that bodes against us. Um, or
0: yeah, I, I think bad. yeah. The the initial take is like, is North Texas very good against the run? The answer is no. No, North Texas is not.
1: Yeah, um, against Conference USA, we're what, middling? We're pretty average? Yeah, I defense. mean, we, we
0: slowed down the terrible teams, uh, but like UAB, a team that wanted to run and has talent at the running back spot, they ran well against us. And then UTSA ran really well well against us, and I thought some in a way that changed the game with that dude, uh, what's his name, Kavorian Barnes, just, you know, we rushed for like one forty eight or something like that, whatever it was in that game. So, that's the big that's the big thing. Like, wh- what would be an unembarrassing? What's the least amount of points, or I guess the the smallest blowout that you'd say it's a blowout, but I'm not embarrassed by it.
1: The margin, you
0: mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, I think when we once we hit twenty one points, it's <laughs> that's it.
0: <laughs> You're just immediately embarrassed? It's like, yeah, uh, it's done. 20 <laughs> points, and there's the extra... I'm embarrassed. <laughs>
1: it's the first quarter I'm walking out of here. <laughs> hey,
0: where's that guy going? Uh, Yeah, so, like, is it going to be one of those games? I don't think so. I, I think that because of the situation, right, new head coach, um, like I said, there's not a lot of dudes in the transfer portal, at least that, that from what I saw. Um, uh, There was, like, the one right receiver dude, but not a lot of people moved or left. and I think there was like a, a, a conversation with him. I don't know. Uh, so I thought that's interesting. I mean, and again, it is uh, a team that went to the conference championship game. Uh, you know, like I think there's a lot of pride on this team and a lot of people that want to maybe prove some things wrong, right? Like um, they obviously played for Latrell, and they like him. And, you know, I, I think that there is a a, a storyline where you're like, well, let's go win it for Seth Luttrell. Like, he's not here. He's not, not going to go on his record. Um, he's not going to get to lift the trophy, but it's going to be for Seth Luttrell.
1: Yeah, I understand the motivation, but also there's a lot of disruption there with without having the head coach, the the, the big offensive mind, I guess. And then is Mike Blush going to be there?
0: Yeah, Mike Blush is going to coach the game. Uh, so he'll be calling the plays. Uh, it's like one last hurrah for a lot of people that really like each other, did a lot of good work together. So, I mean... You know, I, I think whatever you want to say about North Texas this season, like, you know, good or bad, and I don't think any of those things are unfair because uh, it was good and bad, right? And, and definitely in the literal era. But these last two seasons have been a an example of, like, what could have been at the same time. You know, like, it's they're both disappointing, right? Losing the bowl game at the Frisco Classic. I remember that Frisco Classic. You know, me and my dad used to go to that game. Good time. peanuts and Peanuts and football. Um, you lose that game, but you did upset UTSA. Good memories there, and they bounced all the way back. Saved his job at least for one more year, um, and lots of good memories. And then this year, right, get to the championship game. Um, you know, like beating right, Ry- like Rice was not, a, but th- the game against UTSA and the game against Western Kentucky, those are a couple good weeks there in October, and you know everybody's feeling real good. That you include in there that Louisiana Tech won too. Rush for four seventy five. Everybody's feeling real good
1: against FIU, FAU as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. I mean, we had a good four or five game run there that was that felt good. That was like, why? Where has this been? Why can't we do this every time? Yeah, and then it just fizzled away.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It and I mean, again, credit UTSA for being a good team, and but uh, uh, credit UTSA for being good, but also credit again North Texas for being good. Is that UTSA? Was up and ready for North Texas, right? And that says a lot about the program that was here. And I think that's good. It reflects well on North Texas that UTSA was <laughs> wanting to beat them. They wanted to play their best. That North Texas and Seth Luttrell and everybody associated with this program brought out the best in UTSA, right? Jeff Trailers like we challenged them to play a perfect game. You know who didn't bring out a perfect game in you know, UTEP the week before, right? They they were like they didn't even show up first quarter. They spot them twenty four points. But for North Texas, they were ready. They were on it. And they want. They knew they had to be on it. And they were. They're playing perfect football. And I, again, um, I think ultimately that that bit North Texas in the behind. But again, still credit. You you brought the best in them. You, you you woke them up that first time. You showed them we can beat you, right? We can if you're not you're not playing. We're gonna beat you. We're gonna get you. Um, and
1: yeah, yeah. For six quarters against them, out of eight, we were in it and we were showing like you said pride we were showing good game planning uh but then what ended up faltering at the end both on offense and defense was just the execution the personnel was just not up to the task for it in the last yeah. two quarters
0: yeah so um a couple things to watch out for it's transfer season um that uh eric morris uh you know i don't know I, if we get a chance to talk to him, oh, I want to talk to him. I, I put in for it. And I was like, "Oh, hey, can can we get on the, the little list of interviews when he makes the rounds selling the program?" Ah, uh, gosh darn, sir sure is good to be here, you know. Go mean green. Uh, yeah, I want to ask him about that. It's like, like at what point do you say, "Okay, it's time to to jump into the film"? I am sure it's always an and never ending grind. But I'm curious about those transitions. Like, at one point, you're like, hey, this is uh, Eric Morris, Washington State's offensive coordinator. And then the next day, you're like, hey, this is Eric Morris, uh, North Texas head coach. How about you come over here instead, you know? I
1: mean, the feel begins immediately, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I'm getting paid a quarter of the amount at Washington State. I'm all North Texas now. I, I bought a hat. Uh, I bought a green car. I'm driving there right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, that's what I'm saying. Is that like, uh, uh, what official point? When he signed the paper, then he pulled his phone out, (laughs) and then he immediately sent, like, a bunch of texts to everybody he was doing. (laughs) Uh, And uh, and I'm sure it's the other way, too. They're like, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator is over there interviewing. Let's get the list of all the dudes he was (laughs) talking to (laughs) because we got to make sure they stay Washington State. uh, What are they, Cougars? Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... uh, I think that that part's interesting. And same thing for like Mike Blush. At, at one point, he's like, "Yeah, come to North Texas." Obviously, stuff the truck gets fired, then he's like, mm, "Come to Cal," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah. I also I also don't think that they're necessarily recruiting the same guys, you know. Whatever, you, you see what I am saying?
1: Yeah, I think there is a closer, a more overlap with Washington State recruits than there would be with Cal.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe they swap right? Like maybe they're just walking out. And then like uh you know, Mike Blesch, he's like, Hey and then he hands him <laughs> I was I was looking at these guys, he's like, Thanks, man. I was looking at these guys in Texas and then, you know, they tipped their caps and then he walked past each other. Um well, what was I gonna say. So I know Graham Harrell came here and he like he immediately like, All right, pull up pull up a list of all the dudes, you know, that yeah, you know, that set records in Texas, right? The quarterback list. I'm curious about that process. What 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 does that look like? Who are his first couple calls? All the that kind of stuff. Uh we'll we'll see what's up. And now's the time to do it, right? It's transfer portal time. Uh, you know, the early signing period um is is coming up and it's a chance to make some noise. Just a little bit of noise. I don't think that North Texas needs a lot of dudes, but you can't miss any opportunity to get better. You know, and we'll then at
1: least one guy.
0: <laughs> uh And I I think an underrated thing, everybody's looking like, well, we need (laughs) a quarterback, quarterback. But, you know, also there are quarterbacks on the roster with talent, right? Jace Reuter, Grant Gunnell, um, you know, who was the the head kid? Um, J.D. Yeah, J.D. Head. And, you know, Stone Earl.
1: Stone Earl. Yeah, the stone man. Was it Earl that we saw a lot this this, uh, season? Yeah,
0: Yeah. that was like, give me that ball, I'm going to go run it. It's Stone Man. It would be funny if he just runs and just yells, Stone. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, when you do that, you give away the play. <laughs> stone runs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop saying that. He's listening to you. He knows the play. Man. Stone runs. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> okay. What I else is that? <laughs> just a call. It's <laughs> like inside North Texas and you just think, looks at the camera, stone runs. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Coach, he's doing it again. Coach, can you tell him to stop? Uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, all right. So, like, there, there, there's talent there. Can you get by with what North Texas has right now? That's a question. Uh, and if not, you're going to bring in another guy. And that, that, I don't think it's bad to bring in talent every season. But uh, I think that's a telling recruiting point there. Who's going to come in and be the quarterback for North Texas? Is he already on the roster? Um, uh, Mike Blesch, Seth Latrell, uh, was it Me and whoever else is on the, the, the squad right now? I can't remember everybody's name. Um, they said no, right? That, that was the, the, the staff decision to say it was Austin Ani. Fine, right? You obviously set a record for touchdown passes in a season. Um, I'm looking forward to Mason Fine getting bumped down again. Like I think that's that's a sign of progress on Eric Morris. Is that like Mason Fine's contributions will be relegated to the lower half of the top 10 list. You know, uh, and we said that when when Seth Rutschell came here, I was like, if it's still air raiding the way you know we expect that kind of deal, that that the old record should fall pretty quickly, and then you know, and then continue on that way. Yeah. But, and
1: it's it's fair, <clears throat> you know, it's not saying that, uh, you know, screw Mason Fine or anything like that. It's he got it Mason Fine got it started, and then the next quarterbacks are just gonna pick up the mantle and, and keep it going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it, here's the other thing, right? It's uh who are who's gonna come play defense, right? Who's gonna coordinate the defense and who's going to play defense? Mason Richards got some criticism, like, oh, these FCS dudes, I don't know about that. It's not he came in and balled out and I think was uh, an excellent pass rusher for North Texas. Um, and, you know, you're – you're I forget, like, Rod Brown's, you know, categories. Everybody's weird. They're, like, seventh-year seniors or I don't know what anymore. Um, I think
1: it was, like, a sophomore or something crazy.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the deal is that there's a lot of dudes that have talent that you can upgrade. Like, you can win with North Texas defense. You obviously did some uh, good things. But there were obviously some games where they didn't look so great, right? The whole game in the conference championship game against uh, uh, UTSA, you could have used some more game-breaking talent, right? Uh, In the secondary, in the at the linebacker spot, and definitely at the pass rushing thing. You can't can't ask Mason Richards to do it all. A lot of people had good things, but you want somebody coming to be better than them to just give everybody that lift. lift You know what I mean? Rise them up.
1: Um, Well, yeah, you you want to have you know an all-stars. Uh, on the defensive line. it's well, one of those guys to be, like, the guy that, that the broadcasters are going to talk about, the guy that, that you're excited about. You know, LaTeX had that during their run with Skip Holtz. Yeah, um, you Galen Ferguson,
0: RIP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, that's the deal. Is that like, that's what you're looking at. Is the, the, Everybody's going to be looking at that side of the ball and saying, you know, is it going to be better? We talked about Seth Luttrell. His worst hire was, you know, Clint Bowen. Um, and that kind of, you know, ultimately doing it, put him, it put him behind um, seasons, put him behind the chains, you know, to use the football analogy. I don't know if you ever watched football, but yeah, it, it did <laughs> put him behind. there. like, they had good offenses, but their defense was so bad that nobody cared. And you couldn't even get excited about it because they're getting ran all over. Uh, so that was all very terrible. And, you know, like, it's a big question. It's a big hire. Is it, is it Phil Bennett again?
1: I mean, I like him. I'll still come back for him because year one, he comes in, and make, you see the huge improvement in assignments, decision-making, the stats. Um, Now we're in year two, at, right, with Phil Bennett. And, you know, they're not the number one defense in the league, but in, in a lot of categories, they're middle of the pack which a lot of the personnel uh, you know other than some of the transfers they were able to land it's the same group of guys and so he's able to uh bring in guys that that made a difference Tejada, um, um Treib you just said his name Mason Richards, Mason Richards um and another guy linebacker and they they're making a difference and he's done a great job in in keeping everything uh that that scheme in place that that where the the defense can excel. It's not some kind of crazy hybrid system or or anything like that. It's get the guys. They're going to run the defense, and they're we've seen a lot of bad things, <laughs> but but they're not overpowering the general good. Right? It's yeah. it's an average defense, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with an average defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Is that like UAB? Made North Texas defense look bad, right? Like they ran all over them. Uh, th- like the run defense was poor, and I think, uh, there's some you know prominent lumps are like, we definitely need upgrades in these spots, right? So, if there's a criticism of Seth Luttrell, maybe you can say there's a deep, and I think all those things compounded, right? You hire a, a Clint Bowen, and so then you have to get a new guy in, you bring him in, and like resetting that you, you lose ref it, bring in Bowen, then bring in a Phil Bennett, right? That three in a row kind of thing. Those could have been recruits in the same system, um, right. you know, building towards whatever. So y- you kind of lost the window there and uh I think whatever happens, it's going to be starting I want to say start with the defense. It's quarterback and it's the pass rush, right? That's what we need. Um how they get to that point will be interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how Eric Morris puts that together. I think there's talent on this team. I don't know that I don't know that next year North Texas is going to be competing for the AAC title. Um, you know, I think they're... Well, Seth and thought they can compete. But it it's maybe a ways away. But how far? Is, is SMU that much better than North Texas right now?
1: It doesn't look like it. Not on paper.
0: I mean, in the game that we watched, yeah, it looked like that. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they were just After running away. The rest away of the
1: season turned out. No, they, they yeah. just look pe- just as pedestrian as as we do sometimes. Sometimes we look awesome. Sometimes we look bad.
0: Yeah, and so that's the thing. Is like bring a level of consistency and achievement and this and that and the other and uh, and produce right. And so it, it starts this week. Well, today I guess right. He landed. I don't know. They put him in a hotel or something. Maybe they go stay at the uh, at uh, Jared Mosley. Maybe go stay at Warren uh, Baker's house. You think Rain Baker ain't moved out yet? Right? He's still there.
1: They flew out there last week, I thought.
0: To West Virginia? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he's out. He's probably out in like a little temporary house, but is the whole everybody out? They do it already? They get the whole thing? It takes a while to pack <laughs> up stuff, It takes man.
1: a while, yeah. Yeah. But he's getting paid. so. I mean, even uh, if you
0: hire people to do it, it still takes a while, you know? It's, maybe he's know. hanging out with Smatrisk. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wonder about that. Like, where, where are you staying right now? You got an Airbnb? You know? Mm-hmm. All right. I, and I read the Airbnb. article. Where they said the, the, the wives. Take a big role in finding spots, right? Like that's the thing, and they all kind of share real estate agents, or they find. You know, what I mean, like th- that's the thing, right? Um, coaches hired and fired all the time, and you know, moving on the on the quick is a big deal. So, I mean, Eric Morris left San Antonio to move to Washington State to go back to you know now moving to Denton. He's probably gonna live in Argyle like everybody else, right?
1: I wonder yeah. if he was like. uh Oh, once the, the former co-defensive co- coordinator, um, Mike, Mike, uh, crazy Echler? guy. Eckler? Eckler, yeah. Who was staying in an RV. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't know, like, you know, like, you, you got to be a little crazy to be a coach, I think, or just a coach in general. It's, it's kind of a crazy thing. I So, I mean, I I don't know about this, and I, I, I mean this in the best possible way, right? Like, what's Seth Luttrell doing right now? Like, I mean, he's not, he didn't leave town. Um, I mean, he's going to grocery shopping around Denton. Is he changing the groceries? He's like, you know what? I used to go up to Denton to go get my groceries. Now I'm going down to Fort Worth. You know, just, it's you know, is that what he's doing? I don't know. True, I mean, I, I would. It'd be a little bit manly. Like, you remember they fired me? I'm not. We're not going to Frisco. Definitely not in the 17th. But then there's other parts. Like, you know what? I'm going to go support him. I'm buy a ticket, download this stupid app, and I'll be there. I'm going to be, you know, at the 50 yard line. Uh, You know, Seth the True at the 50 yard line. He's
1: probably flying, flying around doing
0: interviews. Yeah, I know that's you're being serious now, I know making jokes. You know I mean? <laughs> this is a serious <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I I don't know. I mean, he says he'd be good, you know, just whatever. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next. It's to be a chapter marker. Uh where I, I talk with uh, Hank Dickinson of the Mean Green Radio Sports Network and uh he does some sports broadcasting. Um he's also like the he's on the, the board of the Denton Chamber of Commerce. Uh, he's also like it's like served. in. he's done like little everything. Like you, you know, you might see, he might even be the Santa Claus that you, know, you go to the mall and he's like there. And like, Hank, is it? He's, how you? What are you doing here? Were you at the <laughs> game? He's, yeah, I do a little bit of everything. You know, <laughs> well, he's like stone.
1: He just is. <laughs> Hank Santa.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just I'm do, doing Hank stuff. So I mean, yeah, he he's everywhere around it. He, he's uh uh yeah, you'll hear me say he's been a l- large part of what North Texas athletics is now. Um, in in a lot of different ways, touching a lot of different things. So, um, well, wh- we talked to him. Uh, hope y'all enjoy it. I'm gonna try. We're gonna try to get Eric Morris on the phone, and we'll talk to him. Aldo, asking questions. Like, uh, what what, 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 what color shirt would you say that is? Chartreuse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's your favorite breakfast food? Yeah, and don't say waffles. You better not
0: say waffles. still am <laughs> yeah. hanging this up phone. <laughs> do you hang up a phone or do you hang a phone down you know what what is it what a show am i on you know the the (laughs) pr guys gonna be like it's cut off we're we're being done all right ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening coming green coming green all right ladies and gentlemen i am here i have the pleasure the great pleasure to be here with uh the one the only mr hank dickinson how are you doing on this fine? Well, it's a Monday evening when we're recording this.
2: I'm doing good. Uh, been kind of a, here in Denton anyway, kind of a rainy, cold day. Good day to kind of just get back to the house after work and uh, start getting ready for a bowl game, which is a real uh, blessing. I know yeah. the last few have not gone our way at North Texas, but I will still take a bowl game any year and uh, looking forward to this weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, so I, I think, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. It's been cold and rainy up here in the in the Middle West where MGN HQ is, is located. My wife brought me this hot chocolate now. I think she's trying to bribe me into something. That that must mean we're going to get some Amazon packages pretty soon. Um, so you know, so like so the bowl game thing, I think those have diminished a little bit, right? Like I grew up where bowls are like a big thing. Like you're going to a bowl game. It was a capstone of like a college football season. And I think with the expansion of the playoff, Um, you know, just, just kind of with everything you see, a lot of kids opting out and like, I'm going to go to the draft or, you know, this, that, and the other that they've diminished a little bit. Um, I still think they're good, especially for, I think, you know, like we'll say 30 and 35 and up that they're, they have, you know, nostalgic memories, but maybe, I don't know the kids, they really care about the bowl so much. I mean, it's,
2: yeah, I think it's a lot different now than it was I, I look back to the uh the run we had back in the early aughts with coach dickey that was a big deal you know because you played in the new orleans bowl which was historically among if not the first of the bowl season and there were less bowls it was starting to pick up then but it, it was still a very big deal from an exposure standpoint and this is before we had twitter and and, and all the social media stuff so just to be out there and in the newspapers, which was still a thing back then, um, and people reading about North Texas, you know, it was a it, it was a really good way um, to get the word out about a program that a lot of people didn't know anything about. The bowls now, probably a little watered down, but I still think you'd rather play in one than not. And yeah. I changed my opinion on playing in the Metroplex. You know, it used to be you need to go somewhere for it to be a reward for the kids, but part of the reward for a North Texas team that's made up of Texans, primarily, is for the extended family to come be able to see them play. Yeah, And uh, we certainly experienced that when we won the 2013 game at the Cotton Bowl. That was Got great. to go back there in 16. Last year, I mean, yeah, it was a disappointing finish, but leading up to the game, a lot of people in Frisco. It was a good scene. And so I hope that with everything going on now, with Seth you know, being let go and playing a later game on a Saturday night. I hope it doesn't keep the Mean Green folks from coming out because it's still a backyard game and it's still a great opportunity against a Boise team that I think we all would love to be like, you know. So to beat a team like Boise, I think could really, really be good heading into the American.
0: So a, a couple of things there, right? So you're right about the the bowl things. Like, So I went to I went to Samuel Clements High School, where, where Frank Harris went and where Scott Hall went. And actually... So I was looking at colleges, and I don't want to give my life story here, but I'll say that one. I, I looked, and I saw a sticker, and I was like, hey, uh, teach, you know, I, I spoke like a 50s greaser, I guess. I was like, hey, teach, what's up with this logo here? And you like, oh, that's North Texas. I was like, eh, the University. So I added that in the back of my mind, and when I was planning for colleges and I was, you know, thinking about stuff, that's one reason I went to the University of North Texas. Now, there were a lot of things I considered uh, about it, but I, literally the first time I saw it was because of that and then you know i saw i was like hey they went to a few bowl games so that was the that little run where they you know where the team went to the new orleans bowl there's a you know that that whole thing was just a little bit ahead of me but i was aware of it you know like i said i was like that'd be kind of cool there's a a small factor for me going to college because hey they have a good football program it would be fun at the very least we'll have some good bowl times now what happened was is that during my time as a student, we never went to a bowl game, and uh, so that twenty thirteen bowl, uh, I was there with my friend, and then I, I, I said I had a little I, one. I probably had a little, uh, let's say, uh, liquid courage to jump on the field. I, I you know, I, I scraped my knee and I, and uh, uh, like dodging the security, and I cut the jeans out and have the little Cotton Bowl grass stain, and I stored it away where I store a bunch of stupid stuff. <laughs> but that's there. And like, it was a great time. And it, you know, it's a silly thing, right? In the, in the grand scheme of it, the vast majority of America is like, Oh yeah, the heart of Dallas bowl, 2014, January one. They don't remember that, but I do. And it was a great time. Me and my friends, my, you know, my wife now and all that other good stuff. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't discount the value of the bowl. Uh, I think they're good. And yeah, like you said, you'd rather play one than not. Um, but I, I also think that they're not as great. Maybe as good. Like, if it's up to me, uh, and you hit, you know, I had to choose. Give me a conference championship over a bowl championship, like, uh, like old Dan McCartney said, bowl championship. But that's me. I don't, I don't know that. I'd rather you, I guess you'd rather just take them both in, right? You know, that's that's obvious.
2: Well, yeah, the championship uh, experience would be great. There, there's no question. And you know, you and I talked before the uh, the game in San Antonio. I really felt like we were poised to put out a better effort that that ended up. Um, and I hated that it turned out that way. But, you know, you got to tip your hat to UTSA, and I know me and Green fans are like, no, we're not giving them any credit. But they're 12 years old. Um, They're in a fertile market where they can dominate, which is going to be very difficult to replicate that when you're here in the Metroplex with all the competition. Um, It's a special circumstance, and, you know, they've done a great job, I think, negotiating it, and that was a real 41,000 people. It was a real scene. I thought our guys got off to a very good start and just couldn't really keep up with the momentum they would created. But, um, you know, both times we were in a championship game, we were up against teams that were really on a roll. You know, Lane Kiffin, FAU teams, like them or hate them, they were on a real roll. Um, And I think the same thing. The, The sad thing is we knew we could compete with UTSA because that regular season game there was a phenomenal game. It was a really good game, and we yeah. were three plays away from from that being a North Texas win. So, you know, close but no cigar, and close doesn't get you anything. I mean, it really doesn't. At the end, you lose, you lose. But uh, I agree with you. Winning a conference championship really has a lot more zest to it now. But I do say this, in, in the few times we have won bowl games when I've been here, I still remember vividly that 2002 win against Cincinnati, 24-19. Um, we ran the ball, we dominated, and at that time we were looking up to Conference USA. So that was a very sweet win. And then that day in the Cotton Bowl still ranks as among the best days in school history. Thirty-eight thousand real people, yeah, mostly clad in green. It's yeah. a New Year's Day bowl for gosh sakes. Um, that was great. And I think if you were able to hoist a uh, a Frisco Bowl trophy late on Saturday night, uh, Mean Green fans would remember that for a long time. So. Again, recent uh, bowl struggles are going to water down some expectations. And I get that, but you still got a chance. And here, here's a little trivia. I think maybe you've looked at this. Phil Bennett's been in this position before as an interim. Um, he won the 2010 BBVA compass bowl against Kentucky as the interim coach at Pitt. And uh, so, I mean, I think you've got a, you've got a cagey old veteran guy that'll throw <laughs> a lot of stuff out, hopefully. And uh uh, who knows it's uh it'd be interesting to see what happens and how we play it
0: yeah i think aldo and i were talking uh at the weekend i like saying that i've been watching a lot of soccer so i like to say at the weekend um about you know i think the the cool thing about bowls is that like be, it's so different right you got guys not playing this that and the other the preparation's different that you can just you know break tendencies right you know like you can dig around in the trunk and say let's try this whole play um you know and you just kind of you know say you know the other part is like yeah. Boise State's looking at film, but they're not familiar. They, they haven't been across the sideline. They don't know. You know, you can break something out. They haven't seen these kind of guys. It can be weird. It can be different. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think everybody, you know, that listens to the show is, you know, they're maybe a little cranky. Uh, like, who we are going to hire as a coach? You know, all this and other stuff. And like, you know, just a lot of online venting. But I think when it comes down to it, we are all united by, you know, the fact we're all North Texas Supporters, fans, yes. alumni—we want the best for the university. That kind of stuff. So, when the the kickoff happens, everybody's going to be cheering real hard. Uh, you know, maybe they're not tweeting the the nicest things, but uh, you know they're going <laughs> to be. Uh, underrated bowl was the like the the Army one bowl, right? The the follow up one, the one North Texas lost, right? I think it was Seth Littrell's first year, right? So, I think Alec Morris he had you know the game that we all expected him to have against SMU to start the season, but you know he didn't. Um, I think that was the first taste of, uh, of an explosive offense under Harrell and, and Latrobe and that was good times. I think everybody came away from that feeling good, even though we lost. And so I, I that was an underrated one. I think, you know, I always remember the good times we had after the game. Where we were all sitting around, whole, like, bar or whatever it was, uh, little post-game meetup thing. Good times. That's what it's all about, right? It's, you know, like... Football is entertainment. All of the stuff is entertainment. It can get you know, in you know, get passions, whatever. But it's a reason to get together with people that you otherwise would. Uh, I think about all the people that we meet up with or that I've met through this site or whatever. You you otherwise wouldn't. You you just it it's a connecting. It's a what is it? It's like an inciting incident. There's a there's a, a, a well, smarter word for it, and I can't think of it. But you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I think what you what you have to remember with everything you just said, you know, it is fun. That's what it should be. And I think people are real stuck on Seth's overall record being right at 500. Um, but let's think of what he did bring to the table. I mean, a record-setting quarterback in Mason Fine, who, frankly, he was the only guy that knew about Mason. He was the guy that trusted in Mason, brought him down here, and turned him into what he did. Um, KD Davis ends up being the all-time leading tackler. Ethan Mooney has now scored more points than anybody. Um I mean, Jalen Darden was a, a unbelievable college story. So Seth did a, a wonderful job bringing us some of the best talent we've ever had. And I think he did one thing that a lot of coaches at North Texas, you know, have struggled to do. He, he beat the people you should beat. He didn't beat all the people that we wanted him to beat. And that's tough. Um, and that's the truth. And, you know, I think he was always really, really good to work with in terms of being honest about things. Um, that stuff aided him and, and it will keep eating at him because I think he really worked his tail off to to try to deliver here. And um, last couple of years, I think he knew he was under the gun, but he he turned seasons around right in front of us both times, and that's not easy to do. So I wish him nothing but the best. And, and I hope these guys that he left behind have the kind of energy I know they're capable of because it's pretty hard. you know when you when you lose your job as an assistant coach, no one's worried about you but they're not making the big money and, and they're yeah. not living, you know, the same lifestyle. Um, Seth will be fine. He knows that. And he said that before, don't worry about me. Um, but I do worry about some of those guys that have, you know, they have won 10 of the last 12 games in a league. That means you're, you're playing your peers and you're beating them. Um, they, they got us to a championship game, got us to a bowl game. Those are good things to do as a coach. So I wish all of them a lot of luck and I hope, maybe they'll have one one final good experience in Frisco because I think they deserve it.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, like I said, when, when everybody talks about, like, firing the coach, it's a big life thing, right? Uh, I think I'm of two minds about it. I, I see, like, yes, it, it does kind of suck. I was talking about this. Like, when I left the game covering the conference championship game and I flew back uh, home, I was, you know, at the airport. I'm waiting for the bag and went to, you know, the men's room. I was washing my hands, whatever, and there's another guy there. I was wearing my North Texas shirt. And he looks over at me and he's like, you recruiting? And I was like, I huh? <laughs> had to chuckle myself. I was like, oh, no. I am I was at the game, you know, conference championship. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I saw he had a Northwestern logo up there. I was, I was like, you, you're recruiting. He's like, yeah, I'm over here to see so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's there brushing his teeth in the men's room. And, like, it's a grind, right? Like, you're out there. You're kind of doing it, you know. And so I respect that. I respect everybody has to go, you know, work, make a living. Uh, that said nobody nobody forced him into the, this profession that's part of the gig right like you right. you kind of know it, it it is a grind i think uh, you know i know um you know i was reading speaking like mike leach and he's he's uh he's in dire straits right now i read his book i'm a big fan of mike leach uh i- re- read his book he t- he's like started out like you know like he had to he had to do the hard work right a lot of coaches come up and they're making no money, sleeping on a couch maybe, and then having to do all the jobs i think Mike leach had to be the sports information guy. Also doing the offense coordinating stuff, like you know like you see them when they're making a million a couple million, but they all start out making peanuts if that right um and so you know like it, it's a it's a unique kind of thing. I respect all of them for doing it uh, i agree with you i i mean i want I want them to win for a lot of reasons um and i think um I think seth was is a good coach, and I think you know he won here in North Texas, which is not an easy thing to do. a lot of people say, oh there's talent." Dallas-Fort Worth is talent. You've seen a lot of North Texas coaches. You've seen a lot of stuff. You've seen a lot of North Texas. You've been part of the university for like 25 years or something. Is that what it is? You count it? You have like yeah. a is like You chalk on the wall. Is that what you do? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I mean, it's going on 27 years now in terms of, of broadcasting, but but administratively 25. And, you know, inside of that, I've met a lot of really great assistant coaches. Yeah. I mean, just really cool people. And everything you just said is so true. Um, just, you know, when they finally do make some money, it's the kind of business where you better take it when you can get it, because you're going to get fired, even in a good season, even in a, you're going to get fired, even after a pandemic year. Um, I kept thinking during that ridiculous 2020 season that, that maybe we'd all sit back and, and, and reassess how we evaluate, but you know what, Plenty of coaches lost their job in a year where you didn't even know who you had ready to play on a Friday. I mean, it was honestly ridiculous, but that's the business, and so they, like you said, they they assume that. But, you know, there was a guy, well, there's two guys, I think, on this staff in particular that are really special. Um, Mike Blesch is really a talented guy, and I'm so happy he's sticking around for the bowl game. He knows he's moving on to Cal, but, you know, since 2001, there have been 24 games of 300-yard rushing, okay, where we've combined to to rush for 300. 11 of those happened in the Seth Luttrell era. And three of those were this year. So when you talk about a run offense that's actually really, really good, nationally speaking, that that's Mike Blesch. And he's done a really good job with it. And the guy that ran that running back room is one of the best North Texas guys ever, Patrick Cobbs. I hope whoever comes in here and gets the job will look at Patrick and think maybe he's a guy that, that needs to stick around. Um, I hope that. Um, I feel because like because I think he means that much to the program.
0: If it's me making this decision, I feel like that's one of the things that tells you whether or not this guy's a good guy coming in. Right, like you're like, this is a you know he's it's a it's a legend, North Texas Hall of Famer, played in the NFL, and he's a good coach and he's a good guy. Like, why would you not keep him around just for the connection to the history of the rest of the You know, like you get good feelings with the fans. You get you just so much good there. And I think about uh, you know like Cadillac Williams is out there in Auburn. Kind of yeah. doing that. And so he'll freeze. Whatever you think about him, he saw he's like, Okay, I gotta I gotta keep this guy. You know what I mean? And that was good on him to do that. I mean, uh, I think
2: Patrick Patrick's good enough to go get a job on his own. He's already got the kind of resume. And you never know with him, he, he may end up back in the NFL because I think he's that widely regarded. But I mean, I think between those two, what what has happened on the, the rushing front and, and Randy Clements, who people don't talk about enough, has done a great job of that offensive line, but it's pretty special, and I think the spread is sexier, and and that's what a lot of fans want. But I see it slowing down a little bit, and I see people getting back to the, the real pragmatic thought that you know you do win the ball when you run, and you do help defenses now, um, a lot when you run the ball. And and our defense has gotten better under Phil. There's no doubt, but it's still is still a very um, challenged defense. So the longer you can keep the ball. And they don't have to be on the field. It's that old adage if we if we have the ball, they don't. And running the ball means we can have the ball for a long time.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things about it. I think you're right, is that uh, like I and, and the site we, we wrote and we talked about it a lot. I like what Blesch and I like what Littrell did. I, I thought you could see a lot of uh, what does I call it? Cleverness, right? Variety in the play calling. I think. You know, you, you, every, when a play doesn't work, everybody's like, oh, "That was a bad play." I was like, "Oh, really? Well, do you know?" Do you, you know, so at least on this side, what we try to do is like, let's see what we could do best as we can, right? Not being in the room, not having the headphone on, uh, to see what play call they they did did or watching the film with them, uh, and you can see what they're trying to do a lot of ways. And you know, some of it was execution, and not to get in a quarterback talk, but. uh you can see that they were trying to do things and they were ready for the answers, I guess, or like the the proposed answers of the opposition, right? UTSA said, We're going to do this. And then North Texas hit them over the top, but not just like we just beat them one on one. They were running wheel routes when earlier they showed that we we're just going to run a little stop stuff. Now, uh, some of that's, but you know, it's, all that stuff is all part of coaching, right? Like whether or not you're saying you run this if you see this coverage, or you know what? In this game, instead of doing the normal thing you do, you're going to do something else. All that is part of coaching. All that's part of preparation. I think you gotta give the staff and then the players. Players are the ones that go make the plays, right? Uh you gotta give everybody full credit for that. And I think it's it's unfortunate that I thought this is one of their better seasons, not just in terms of yards, but I thought in like execution, a lot of good stuff happening on offense. And that, that that was the final season, right? And I think you know, you're talking about defense. I think uh a thing that Seth probably wants back is, you know, maybe his personnel choices after Troy Reffitt, you know, some of that, like, you know, Clint Bowen hire was, you know, uh, not good. It was the worst defensive season that North Texas had since, uh, I want to say like 2011 or 2010, something like that, some, some ridiculous, it was, it was not good. And I think that colored a lot of the rest of the, you know, the rest of this recent years. Right. So, you know. I think yeah, people, not it, yeah, it people, was rough. It, it's hard to <laughs> sell them on that if you're like, yeah, you know, I, trust me, it's better now. And you're like, oh, I just, I had such a bad experience, you know, enjoying North Texas football that I'm not ready until you do something amazing. You know, like you had to win a championship. You had to maybe win a bowl. You had to win maybe 10 games for people to say, okay, I'm ready to turn it around now, which is unfortunate. But again, that's, that's the game. Yeah, I think,
2: uh, and you talked about it, probably the best bowl matchup that that Seth was able to enjoy was that that Army game in 16, um, because we were starting to rise up. And the thing about playing Army or Air Force, um, that triple option is never fun for anybody. And, you know, you want to try to um, not have to face that very often. But we were pretty ready in 16. I mean, that was an overtime game against Army. That was the second time we played them
0: that year too, right? Yeah, we, we played Well, at and Army, that's the right? problem.
2: You know, back back when I was scheduling games, I had scheduled that Army series because, in, in my way of thinking, whenever you played Army at home, it was kind of like a bowl game atmosphere because you get all the military people that come and you get a guaranteed good crowd. And people care about Army, right? They yeah. care about Air Force and Navy. National you want to play brand. a service academy. Yeah. But the problem was to play them three times in 18 months, which is what <laughs> we did, was driving that defensive staff crazy. And so it probably was the worst thing that ever happened to to keep the series alive, but, but I think the matchups after that um, may have looked good in terms of, Hey, we can sell some tickets and these will be fun. Troy was a really tough matchup. Yeah. It was not a good matchup for the mean green at the time. Uh, as it turns out, you thought Utah state might be because they were losing all their coaches. They only had four coaches back well, as it turns out they were really ready to play. Mason gets hurt. I don't even remember the second half of that game. It just was a train wreck. So and we had some bad matchups. And then, you know, Appalachian State was a late add to try to get a postseason game in 20. And like you said, the defense was struggling. And Appalachian State, man, I mean, that, that's a really good program. So we, we had some tough matchups.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's the fun of the postseason, right, the bowl game thing. I think North Texas did get a little unlucky sometimes, like you said, just in matchup-wise. I I, I think – that Troy one, that was sort of a, that was sort of a test. I thought that was Seth's best best squad, that 2018 squad. I think uh, there was a stat thing at the time, like North Texas only trailed for like 15 minutes all season up to that point, or something, some silly. Uh, They're they good. They beat Arkansas. You know, they they had they lost to Louisiana Tech on a blocked field goal, um, and then you know, like basically had UAB beat, and then you know, and then uh, I think it was ODU that just kind of came back, kind of a fluke. Comeback. It was a really good team. Uh, they had some injuries, just really good team. And, and, and I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it was kind of a, a shocking loss to, to Troy because Troy just handled them. Uh, that was the other part. Uh, I was there for that game. By the way, the press box for the, the Superdome, it's not, you're like way up there. You're kind of looking down. You're like at the top, you know? I mean, you think you've been up there. It's just kind of weird. I think the Alamo Dome yeah. is in a good spot. I just in case you're. It's way up there. Yeah. Uh, just my, my unofficial. Listen, I like the Alamo Dome press box. I like the Superdome press box. They also gave bull swag, and I still use that thing. Um, uh, And then, uh, you know, those are just kind of top two. The Middle Tennessee one, not great. That was not great. It's like, it's tiny. You're kind of cramped in there. I remember the the conference championship game, they had like the wire cam, and they had to be in the press box. And so like, you're just kind of seeing them do the thing while like you hear the TV guys with the door open because they couldn't fit in there. Uh, so there you go, um, in Murfreesboro, not so good, you know, not so good for modern footballing. I don't know, what's your, the, you've, you've, like I said, you, 25 years of broadcasting. I'm sure you've seen good press boxes and not so good press boxes.
2: Yeah, we've been we've been to plenty. It's funny, though, I mean, going way back when we first were in the league with Middle Tennessee, we thought Floyd Stadium was like, you know, hey, wow, this is something, we need to build something <laughs> like this. And yeah, you're right, it's, it's long in the tooth now, but. That's back when we had Fouts. Um, you know, the best seat in Fouts Field was probably the radio booth because it was the only one that had any kind of elevation at all. And uh, <laughs> the rest the rest of the place was pretty, pretty hard from a, a sight line standpoint. Um, you know, uh, Alamo Dome is easily the best. And I think, you know, Dave would tell you the same thing. It's perfect. It's 50-yard line. It's very close to the field. That's what the Superdome used to be. but the last few times for radio we've been way up high um so they went from being a lot like the alamo dome and then post katrina they changed everything and ended up really high um same thing when we were at allegiant for the unlv game that's about as high as i've ever broadcast from um (laughs) but you know i mean it's different when you're when you're playing in some of the conference usa and i'll be anxious to see what american looks like um what you find with new places is they don't really put TV or radio on the 50 anymore. When we built Apogee, that was one thing we were adamant about. Let's make sure because we want TV every weekend, let's really go crazy and make sure TV gets really accommodated. And so Apogee remains a very easy place to broadcast from and people love the TV booth. Um, It's all pre-wired for TV. So that saves setup a lot of time. And so, the people that have enjoyed coming to North Texas spread the word that, hey, you know, it's it's a great place to broadcast from. And so that part of it, I really feel good about. Um, but, I, you know, I'm happy almost anywhere I am. Uh, if you ask Dave Barnett, he will tell you Old Dominion was absolutely the worst. And that was <laughs> that game you just referenced where we had the lead and gave it away. And it was I mean, it was like doing a four a, a 4A high school game. <laughs> They've since redone that uh, stadium, but I don't guess we're going to get back there and experience that anytime soon.
0: Uh yeah, I don't think if anybody can help it anybody wants to go do that. Um <laughs> so so like I, I think that that's a part about like your career and your like relationship one, you know, I was kind of reminding myself of your your resume here. You kind of done a little bit of everything. I mean, you do the radio, you do the you teach broadcasting. Um uh like, just just I guess maybe prospective students are out there listening. Like how do you like what is what happens in sports broadcasting? Is it sports broadcasting one? Yeah. One and two is what you teach. Is that what it is?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, 16, 17 years ago, Bill Mercer took me to lunch when he was getting ready to retire. And uh, Bill had always been nothing but great to me. And there's really no reason for him to be because I wasn't one of his former students. And, you know, I didn't go to the University of North Texas. I Mm -hmm. know a lot of the people, obviously, that he tutored. But he took me to lunch. And in the middle of lunch, he hands me this big file and says, uh, I want you to take over the class. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not a teacher, Bill. And second of all, you've got a lot of people that are are North Texas people more qualified. And he said, yeah, but you're right there on campus and you can get them to come back anytime. You're you're a really good fit for this. You need to consider it. And I said, well, you know, at the time I, I got a lot going on and kids and, I don't, I'm not sure I can do that. And he said, well, here's, here's what it pays. And I said one night a week. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, the stipend part of it was kind of alluring, but yeah. I, I can't, I, I'm nowhere near the Bill Mercer uh, mold. I mean, I'm I'm not worthy to to, to tie his uh, shoelaces, so to speak. Um, he, he's awesome. And he he tutored so many people that we all really love as broadcasters, including two people that I've had the great fortune of working with, you know Dunham and Barnett, but what's happened with the class has I've, I've been able to get the people back to guest lecture, and we've been able to get kids involved in Mean Green Productions and some of the stuff that has developed since Bill retired from a streaming standpoint, and a lot of the students that I get now are really more interested in production, yep. direction, um, a lot of the creative content stuff these kids now didn't grow up listening to terrestrial radio like I did. And and perhaps you did. They're not as enamored by me bringing in Brad Sham or (laughs) Chuck Cooperstein as much as they are meeting someone that is a producer director. Now they enjoy hearing from Brad and, and Chuck and those people, but they just didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't grow up listening to the radio to those people. They may, they may have, by default, listened to Eric Nadel because their dad probably had the Rangers on in the car, yeah. and so they get that. But it, it's different than it was when Bill taught because these kids don't really want to do the radio play-by-play, and yet they do want to get into the sports broadcast field. So different, yeah. but, but it's been a lot of fun, and I'm really blessed that that he allowed me that opportunity.
0: I think it's – you like you, you can see it, right? There's one – there's a lot of people that have – I think like Don Harris is a North Texas alum. He's a, down in San yeah. Antonio, right? Uh, so I grew up in San Antonio. Done it. I'm of the generation that did like play-by-play. Like you know, I'm, I grew up a Spurs fan, and it used to be, hey kids, gather around. Uh, it used to be that they didn't play the, you know, the the Spurs, the the NBA didn't your home games. You didn't you didn't watch them, right? You'd see their away games. I think the, the local channel had them, but the home games were like on pay-per-view or something. So it was radio time, right? So I had to turn on the radio. That so I would listen to it that way. And there was a lot of Cowboys games where we're driving back from church. And I'm like, come on, Dad, let's, we, let's go. <laughs> I want to I wanna watch the game. Uh, so let's kind of wrap it up. But we'd listen to Brad Sham, you know, on the on the way back. And so uh, I'm a big fan of play-by-play radio. I think uh, me and my brother used to do that. Uh, again, here, I'm kind of old. You know, my brother had to go run to go do something. And I'd be like, all right, so it's, you know, Tim Duncan has the ball on top of the key. We try to do play-by-play for each other. And uh, I think, I don't know, I think one one of these days, maybe I save up enough money, I'll donate, and I'll, I'll do play-by-play play for like, uh, I don't know, maybe the soccer team or something like that. Uh, uh, donate, uh, you know, for they're like, well, we got to give them a game or something. This guy gave us that much money. Um, and, yeah, so th- I find that interesting that nobody's like, yeah, the radio. But you can see why, because you can watch the stuff on your phone now. It used to be that if you weren't around a TV, then it had to be radio. Like, it was radio if you're not at home or not at the bar or something. So now, but now you can, you can watch it. And then they, they, they put the, um, what is it? The captions on. So nobody's really listening to the play by play anymore, which is, uh, they kind of said there's an art to it and it's, it kind of connects you to that. Um, yeah.
2: It, it, it's a lost art. I mean, it, it really is. And it's, I always try to to tell the students, I'll tell you what, you know, I think about it on the first class, but you're going to hear other people way more qualified and talented than me tell you the same thing. So start listening to them, but like, Mark Folliwell, um, he's a real rock star with the students because they did grow up watching the Mavericks and they yeah. do absolutely know who Mark is. But Mark will tell them, you know, I got grounded in this very class learning play by play. And if you can do radio play by play, you can do almost any of the other things because it is more demanding in terms of no one can see what you're talking about. You're yeah. having to really fill in a lot of blanks over the course of a you know a number of hours, whether it's baseball, basketball or football, and they're all different. but Um, It's a wonderful thing to try, and and I really challenge the kids to get after it, but you know, I think the best people on TV that we all enjoy now started on radio, and that's why they're so good on TV. You can do TV without doing radio, but I can sit there and listen to people now and know whether or not they have done radio play-by-play when I watch them on TV. So I, I think it's an art, and I think it's a great thing that we're still trying to emphasize at North Texas, and the great thing about it the class has zero to do with me and everything to do with the alums that continue to want to come back and talk to kids. And I I mean, it's amazing how many people give up their time and talents to come because they still enjoy connecting with North Texas students. So um, like I said, I, I couldn't be more fortunate or blessed in that that's been something I've been able to be a part of, but I believe me, and I'm sure every fan knows this bill was the reason why that class is so good. I've just been a caretaker.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think he, he obviously saw something in you, right? You're able to get everybody back. And maybe that's just connection to everything else. But I do see, you know, I saw like Chuck Cooperstein was like one of the more recent uh, guests. Yeah, he was at, last but, week. Yes, yeah, I saw your Twitter account tweet some of those things. I was going to make that same point. I think, uh, like you think about like Marv Albert, he started out radio, right? Uh, Even yep. the, I can't think of the current NBA dude, the guy from uh, ESPN, ABC, that guy, he started out as radio too. All these guys,
2: Kevin Harlan, Kevin Harlan was a radio guy that I grew up listening to. We're really about the same age as I grew up, but he, he was so young and doing what he was doing that, you know, I heard Harlan, um, doing, you know, college football, basketball, pro football, pro basketball. And then you look at him now and he's, he's easily one of the best at that dual role. Like he and I and Eagle, um, and and I think North Texas has a guy that's really in that realm coming up in Ted Emrick. I think Ted will yeah. be one of the next big things. I think I think Kyle Yeomans is incredibly talented. Um, there's a lot of younger guys still out there that are really good. John Little is yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, I, just I, I was talking really to
0: him talented. and I, I told him that I didn't. I had to cut the conversation short because you know he has such a great voice that it feels like I'm. I'm very nasally, I think, uh, and I'm kind of <laughs> so it, it's kind of intimidating to talk to somebody with a great radio voice. I don't, I don't know, I don't like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have to cut this short. I'm gonna have to. We'll email, okay? <laughs> I'm better on <laughs> text. I, I think you're, I think you're right about that. A um, uh, lot of talent in and around North Texas. Um, I, I guess for maybe aspiring people listening, I don't know why you'd be listening to the Mingre Nation podcast and say, you know, I want to be a broadcaster. How am I gonna get so good? But what would you say, just like? Top three tips. I mean, you, you've you been doing play-by-play. You've done play-by-play on the radio. You've also been, like, the color commentator. Like, what do you think, you know, hey, here's here's the takeaway. You'll be better when you're covering the local high school or something.
2: Well, I think the number one thing is if you can do high school football, yeah. you can do anything because that's the toughest. You know, the, the higher up you go, the more assistance you get. <laughs> Media relations people that are putting yeah. together their notes packages that have all the stats. Um, you and I could probably call an NFL game because we we know those rosters pretty well, right? <laughs> yep. We wouldn't have to do a lot of dummy and down to do an NFL game. So. so by the time you get to that level and you're as good as as Buck or Harlan or any of those guys, that's pretty easy. Um, throw those guys into the, have them do the the next Argyle High School game. <laughs> They'd have to really do a lot of homework. And so I think the thing you, you tell these kids is if you are serious about this, you've got to do homework. You've got to get to know the coaches and you get to start learning how to ask the right questions and figure out the kind of things you need to get ready for a broadcast. Cause it's an open book test. I mean, you're going to put together a spotter board. You're going to write down all the things you want and you'll have to commit certain things to memory, skill position players. But um, you know, the top three things to me are preparation, really key. Um, being able to talk to coaches and glean information and ask the right questions. And then don't worry about the big home run call or the touchdown catch or the three-point bomb at the buzzer. All that's going to come to you. Remember, it's on radio, it's time and score. (laughs) It's time and score. I mean, when you tune the radio in, you don't care who it is announcing the game. You want to know what the time is and the score. If you can get really good at that, you can carry a radio broadcast. And it took me a long time to figure that out. There's times where... I was horrible with time and score. Now that's the the number one thing I worry about when I get a chance to fill in for Dave on play-by-play. Is I know for a fact I'd better be doing that as much as I can because that's really all that matters.
0: Uh, That is very true. I I think about all the times I tuned in, like uh, you know, I'm tuning into the basketball game, and now now it's different, right? Because you can check the score on your phone and all that other stuff. But it used to be you turn the radio on, you're like, okay, who's winning, and then you just kind of maybe glean it from uh, you know the announcer's voice, like, oh. You know, like Tim Duncan goes up, no good, and you know, then you want to hear, okay, what, what Jay Howard, what do you got? Uh, it was, right. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think the, those are good points. The other thing I, I think um, I was gonna ask, how do you you have to vary your calls, right? I, th- I think the worst announcers, and all, there was one guy, he was like the local sports guy, you know, like the uh, uh, local news, you know, sports reporter, right? and he got a chance to fill in. And he was very bad at it, and it, it stuck with me in, in my head because he had, like, crutch phrases. He would say, like, gets it to go all the time. Like, I mean, how many how many times there's, like, 40 made baskets in a game? How many of them are going to be, oh, and he gets it to go? Uh, so, like, do you got to work on that? You got to like, You gotta think about, you know, yeah. make I a basket etymology? <laughs> I mean, uh, you I, have
2: to go back and listen to yourself to figure out what your catchphrases are Yeah. because you're not – in the in the moment, you don't realize that you're repeating the same thing over and again. You go back and listen to the tape, and then you're, you're horrified. But the more you listen, the more you realize. And, and Eric Nadell has a, uh, a little quote that, that um, really resonates with me. And it's like, everything about broadcasting is a series of phrases. And he tells the class whenever he comes, how many times over 162 games am I going to say a grounder to shortstop? I can't call it a grounder to shortstop every time it's either going to the left or the right of the shortstop, or it's going straight at him. It could be a dribbler, a bounder, a line drive, a one hopper, but I've got to be able to say that over the course of a summer, a hundred different ways. And so he said, as long as you can start figuring out phrases that apply for everything, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be about not being redundant or bland and you know, basketball and football have the same sort of, things you know, every sport's got locators on the field, left elbow, right block. You got to be able to talk about how a ball gets different places with just different words. Bill Mercer's famous deal that everyone that took the class from him still remembers is it, his word that you cannot use is gets gets the ball <laughs> to Jones. Jones gets the ball to Smith. No. <laughs> Jones passed the ball. He lassoed the ball. He looped the ball. He lobbed the ball. He bounced the ball. He winged the ball. He shifted the ball, but he didn't get the ball because that's, that's the easy way out. And all of us that do it realize we say gets a lot because it's just so easy to do. Yeah. But if you go the whole game saying gets, you really not treated the listener to any kind of effort. So that's one of those things I try to remember too is, is don't say gets. Cause I don't want Bill to be listening and, and, uh, and know that <laughs> I did that. And by the way, Bill Mercer at 94 still listens, still listens to our broadcast.
0: Does he give you notes? Do you get like a little email that's like, uh, you know, here's some critiques?
2: Well, I think Dave Barnett's probably one of his favorite pupils, um, and he's just been very kind to me. But he's normally very positive, um, really, really nice about it. But, you know, the fact that he's still at his age, as sharp as he is, um, and still loves to listen to North Texas, I think is something – I hope our fans, if they didn't know that, they do know that the bill's still he's still dialed in and ready to go. So,
0: so I, I think the, the other part about, I guess, the, you know, like the the future, the current state of, of broadcasting is they have you guys on like the varsity app, that kind of thing. Um, is that is it better or worse? Just your gut feeling or, or you don't care because it's just the way it the, is.
2: Yeah, I think the demographic that enjoys terrestrial radio has a hard time wanting to listen. To something on their phone. So the people that are my age are up really don't want to use an app. And and what I've been able to try to influence them on is this is really the most surefire way to get the best clean feed yeah. of our broadcast, no matter where you are. So it's easier to sell that to people that don't live in the Metroplex. Um, and I'm guilty of the exact same thing. I, I totally get it. I like twisting the dial. I still listen to the radio all day long. Yeah, I, I like the fact that there's stations I like, and I want to actually listen to a radio at home or in the no. car, but the app is actually the way to go in the future. And, um, it's very reliable and it gives you a chance to, if you didn't catch the game and you want to listen to some of it, you know, you can go back and listen after the fact. So there's a lot of really good features to the varsity app. It's just been a hard sell with the people that still really like radio uh, yeah. and radio broadcast. And that that's, a big part of our audience, you know, I worry about the younger generation moving ahead, really having no radio interest at all. I would love someday for us to be able to, uh, to be able to do both um, because I feel like we've got one of the absolute best announcers in the nation and Dave who spent a long time at ESPN. I'd love to simulcast our football and basketball. Cause I think our radio call could morph into a simulcast pretty easily. And, you know, being you know, someone that kept up with San Antonio sports, Dave was simulcasting Spurs when when yeah. that was a fairly new thing. So, you know, we've got some great people coming in and doing ESPN and other t- TV for us. But, you know, when available, I'd love for our fans to be able to listen to our call, whether they were digesting it on the radio or in a in a video platform.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's one of the. I it's kind of unique, right? Like I think Dallas the Dallas Fort Worth area because of like the ticket and other things like that. There's a special relationship with radio. I think there's more radio fans. Uh, I mean, I certainly, like, I, when I remember when I got to North Texas, everybody, my friends were like, oh, you got to listen to Ticket. And I was like, yeah, I've heard sports radio before. I get it. You know what I mean? You know, it's like Jim Rome, that that kind of. They're like, no, 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 it's different, right? And so, like, you know, um, I think that sensibility, everybody kind of coming out, like, you move ev- elsewhere. Like, the radio you listen to everywhere else is a little different. And so I, you know, I kind of tune in. I'm like, I want to see what's going on in this local sports radio. It's not the same. Uh also I'm I am older. I'm over thirty five, right? So it's uh it's different I think if I were younger, like it, it just changes the relationship there. Um I, I would like to listen to the radio. Uh I would think it'd be cool to listen to the radio in the stadium. I I'm one of those kind of people. Uh I, I don't I think doing it on your phone is kinda weird. I don't know. I think it but, you know, maybe I'm just old. I guess. I don't know. I'm i am very technology forward in that way. Like I like in my day job, my Clark Kent job I'm a software developer. So I don't think that I'm out of touch but I don't like listening on the app. It's it's yeah. I get it's cool to be able to do it, but I I don't know. There's something about it. I'd rather turn it turn it on. But then then again, no Texas doesn't have the kind of reach, right? There's not like the Longhorn Sports Network or the Longhorn Radio Network where you can tune in almost anywhere in Texas. That somebody's going to be playing the Longhorn game, or maybe you know certain parts, maybe the A&M game or something like that. It's not so much in, about you know the Mean Green. They don't have that kind of reach. We don't have that kind of reach. And so, you know, terrestrial radio is uh, is. Uh, not as much of an option i suppose
2: yeah and, and i mean i grew up uh, same thing um in a state where you know uh being a kansas fan kansas basketball was on every small market radio station throughout yeah. the state now those are really small markets in that state yeah. Yeah. but that's the model i grew up with and always liked got to north texas and was handling the network stuff and the reality is at North Texas, the, the largest, you know, con- concentration of your fans is in the Metroplex. Yeah, And so if you could get on a couple stations in the Metroplex, you're really reaching the people that wanted to, to hear it. I'd love to be like the Longhorn Network or, you know, any of the ones you just mentioned because it's really cool to have all these affiliates everywhere. But there never was the budget and there never really was the need across the state for it. I think the best situation we might have had... um, was KNTU at 100,000 watts, even though it wasn't a commercial station, and never yeah. will be. You couldn't run the ads on it, but still 100,000 watts. And then KWRD, when we had that, that was, that was getting us in all the way from East Texas to most of Southern Oklahoma. That's a pretty good swath. And then, you know, the argument now for Learfield, I understand it is, yeah, well, with the app, we can get you everywhere. Yeah. Everyone can get the app. So it's really a matter of getting people to make that transference of, okay, terrestrial radio is really not the way Learfield's going to approach this at this point, especially for some of the smaller properties. Um, so it, it, it's a it's a push for some some generational people to try to figure that out. But I think everything will keep morphing. You know, the, the younger people are definitely digesting everything on the phones in yeah. their hands. And so you've got to be a lot more video content driven. And I think North Texas has done a really good job in the last few years of, creative content. There have been a lot of really talented people uh, come through um, that have elevated that, and I think that that's not going to slow down. That's going to continue.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's one of the cool parts about North Texas. I, I think everybody, a, a lot of programs, if you're like, yeah, we're well, our video guys, best thing. He probably went to North Texas. That that happens or had a connection to it. A lot of it comes from North Texas, and I, I think that's that's cool. Uh, I think you already listed, you know, like John Little, a lot of a lot of. People you listen to, or that are producing, or directing, or doing video content, um, or North Texas people, and I think that's you know that's really cool. Um, all right, so we're we're coming up to the end of the time. I I think uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I think we probably just talk for a couple hours here if we if we let ourselves. Um, we talked about the bowl game. Uh, I I listened to you know the GMG cast. I've only listened to a couple of them. I have to say that my podcast diet has been uh, a lot more. Lighter now that I don't really commute. I, I do a lot of work from home, guys. if Everybody wants to know about me now, so I don't have a commute, which is great. But it meant that it, it means I don't listen to the radio or a lot of podcasts now. Uh, but can you tell me a little bit about the GMG Cast? I know it's it's relatively new. It's, it's also like where you've been hosting the the coaches show, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, um I really uh, enjoy working with the current media relations staff. Uh, Taylor Bryan, I think, does a really really good job. And, approached him. We talked a little bit about a podcast and um, wanted to get kind of the older slash younger perspective mixed together. So working with uh, with Zach Babb, who's a wonderful talent as well, who does the uh, the women's broadcast. And, and I mean, he's really a Swiss Army knife in so many ways. He's doing a lot of stuff working at KNTU now with students and, and doing a lot of stuff to help us out. He and I just did a, a broadcast together this past week when Dave was unable to make it um, on the road. So so Zach's really good, um, really young. And he and I put together the podcast. I basically talk. He does everything else. (laughs) But with Taylor's um, input, we're trying to be uh, sensitive to some seasons that are starting and some things we need to promote new coaches. if, If they're on board, a chance to sit down and give the fans, you know, an opportunity to meet them, which in the case of volleyball and track and field, we were able to do. And then also experience a little bit of, uh, you know, corridor of years type stuff. Like we sat down with Patrick Cobbs and talked about his career and how things have changed and and what he's meant to North Texas and how, what North Texas has meant to him. We talked to DJ Draper, um, and JJ Murray who put together the, the TBT basketball team in the summer that made some really quantifiable noise. Um, and then on this last one, you know, we're we're talking basketball with a couple of current basketball players on the men's and women's side. So um it's typical of what you would expect from me. It's all glass half full, positive <laughs> stuff, but uh, I make no uh, I make no apologies for that. I you know, I really think these kids, when we talk to them need to be elevated and talked about more than just what they do on the court or yeah. on the field. And I think once our fans get a chance to meet, some of these uh, student athletes, that that's when they do more than buy season tickets. That's yeah. when they get involved in the Mean Green Scholarship Fund, and they they realize that at North Texas, you really get great access to coaches and kids if you're if you're a donor, even at a, a very reasonable amount. I think you you get some real bang for your buck, and hopefully, on the cast, we're able to throw these people out there in a positive light.
0: Yeah, I, I, the last one was uh I I forget the women's player is it uh is it Jacqueline J- Jacqueline I forget the last name. And yeah, then you this, had Abu one. Usman, right? That's the last one I saw. And then uh like at the end of it you talked uh you talked a little Josh White, a little little yeah. look back in the day. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I I think one that made me kind of feel old. I was like Josh White, he's, he's, that was just the other the other day, wasn't it? When when he just yeah. Then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was that was a while ago." Um yeah, I think it. Yeah, I heard Zach talk about like yes, a lot of people don't know maybe the the Johnny Jones days, and then I realized it was turned into uh, the older alum. There's a funny thing I I gotta say like I remember being a student, I'm walking around campus, or whatever, doing my own thing, and you see all these alums come by, looking around, real wistful, and uh, you are like I remember that building used used to be here, and I, you know I'm kind of like all right, all right, buddy, that's great, you know, time moves on, get out of the way, I gotta go to class, you know, and then now I you know. Uh, we, I drove through, you know, we stopped in Denton on the way to a to new location. I moved up here to to uh, to uh, Missouri, and um, and I was looking around, and I realized I'm that guy. I'm looking around real wistful, like, hey, honey, remember, you remember that one time we went over here, and I was sitting there, you know, I, you remember sitting on this bench, and the squirrel came up, the button? you know, so I, I realized I'm that. Hey, come here, kids, and then they're running around by the eagle. Look at this, your mom and dad, we used to be, you know, so I'm that guy now. Uh, it happens to all of us, if you're lucky, I think, you know, so it's, uh, it's good. Uh, I, I think it's good. I, I enjoy the the look back. I think everybody needs a little uh, a little view to see all the the student athletes as as people. Right? It can be it can be real easy just to see them as names and numbers and stats. And uh, you know, like and, and and I think that that adds to adds fuel to the to a fire that, that maybe shouldn't be burning. Right? You're like, oh, this guy's you know, this guy sucks. Don't necessarily need view it that way if you're like, you know what, I, that, that's a real person, maybe maybe I should tone it down a little bit. So I think those things are important. I think you're right about I want to say humanizing everybody, but it's, it's important. I think it's good. Uh, yeah, so- and
2: I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of great fans I've known for a long time, but I think we're experiencing a whole new uh, phase of fans. Um, I don't think they want history lessons necessarily, <laughs> but I think to be able to put some things in perspective and let them understand, you know, um, there's really nothing new under the sun, you know, as the Bible would tell you. Um, there's just sort of the repeat of the way things, you know, go. And, yeah. uh, you know, when, you, when you're when you sitting there at Apogee Stadium uh, in that radio booth, looking out and you look to your left and realize Fouts Field is no longer there, for some of us, um, it's a reminder of how far we've come to some it doesn't seem like we've come that far. But if they don't understand what that was about and how hard it was to build things over there and to to get in a, a stadium and then to have someone come in like Ren and build a practice facility that a lot of people said wasn't that necessary, which really it was. Yeah. And you look at what that's meant, not only to the student athletes, but just from a branding standpoint with that big mean green on the side, it it it's a separator. And there's things that have happened that you know, I I feel like I've been here long enough that I kind of want to fight revisionist history when I hear that it's wrong, because I I do feel like we've made a lot of progress and there's more to be made. There's no doubt. Whoever this next head football coach is, is going to inherit a really, really good situation because of the work of a lot of people. And I want our younger, newer fans to understand that um, that's been a process and it's taken a lot of people, a lot of different leaders and no one person can take any, you know, monopoly on credit. It's it's been a work of uh, several dedicated people over a long period of time, and I'm happy to be somewhere in that discussion.
0: Yeah, I think maybe you're being a little too modest there. I mean, you're you're you've been a part of the you know the Mingreen story there for you know, you said 25 years. No no small part there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's important for both aspects of it. Right, you need. You need the old guy saying, well, we've come so far. And you need the young guy to say, you know what? And I say guy, but I'm just, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you need the young person to say, we can do so much more, right? Because it's real easy to stop and say, well, you know, maybe it's time to rest. we got a facility. Maybe we don't. And you, say, you know, we can do more. We can do this. We can do that. We can expand to new areas. We can present it differently. Um, you need both, right? You need somebody to push you forward, but you also need somebody to say, let's appreciate the past. And I think... Uh, um, You know, saying, hey, you know, he said Josh White. um, And then, you know, uh, uh, obviously the Hall of Famer, right? You know, stuff like that. But everybody in between, right? Uh, Those are cool. Like, hey, you know, this guy did a a, a lot of good stuff. Uh, It used to be everybody knew Scott Hall because he was a starting quarterback. But now you have to say, Scott Hall, he played quarterback in North Texas. And, he was you know, you have to to start introducing him that way. And I think that's also important just to give people – a perspective of the the breadth of north texas it's been around for a long time and i think if you don't tell the stories if we don't tell the stories and i think right now you you do a great job of doing that then everybody kind of loses connection to it you don't feel that you're part of something greater and it's something good right it's all it's all there uh there's just as much history uh at north texas as there is at texas tech and you know like it, it you know texas and all these other places uh and i think it's it's a incumbent upon us as as people associated with the university to celebrate all that kind of stuff right and i feel like i'm getting a little corny here my wife's looking at me like you didn't again um that we have to right because it's ours and you if you disown it then i think you're doing a disservice to it it's yours you're part of it you know so embrace it with both arms right
2: yeah the 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 first person to teach me that and he was adamant about it and is still very very good at it was george dunham he's like you know Don't let anyone tell you um, that there's not tradition here. Don't let anyone tell you that there's not legacies. And, you know, you look at the Unity Plaza uh, celebrating Abner Haynes and Leon King. Awesome idea. uh, Well overdue. And it's going to be there for a long time for people to understand that, you know, we were groundbreaking as an institution thanks to those two African-Americans, but also thanks to their teammates, thanks to their coaches, thanks to this town. Um, We were able to be the first, you know, college in Texas to have a couple of African-American players. And one of them happens to be one of the best players in the history of college football. So, you know, I started to learn from George early on that um, start investing in the traditions and let's let's bring those out on every broadcast when we have a chance to. If records are being broken, let's know some stories to tell. And then I'm lucky that when, when George, uh, you know, retired from doing it, Dave comes along. Well, Dave grew up in Denton. Dave went to North Texas. Dave (laughs) has every bit of factoid in his mind. So I think when we, you know, what we do do well on the radio network, I hope is call the action. But I think we do celebrate North Texas without being homers. And I I want people to understand we, we really work hard and I take it as a real challenge each week to know as much about who we're playing to talk as much about them as I do North Texas. But at the end of the day, I'd like the younger fans to, to give us a shot because we are educating on what has happened before at North Texas as we talk about what, what's happening right now.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Uh, listen to the GMG cast. Uh, listen, you know, like, you know, follow, follow what, your Twitter is, uh, was it M? I can't remember.
2: At MGRN for yeah. Mean Green Radio Network play by play, which is probably a better one for Dave because he's play by play, but I've been around play by play. So that's, that's the one I use.
0: Yeah, there you go. It it works. Uh, uh, and uh, obviously, thanks again, Hank, for joining the you know the Mean Green Nation podcast late on a Monday. Appreciate your your time. Uh, and and go Mean Green.
2: Go Mean Green. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you.